Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. There's a dog on the pitch at the moment. And almost to the point where the old chap was there to kick the ball off the line and the referee's got to do something about that. When do you have your daily digestive? Go and get me a bottle. And there's still time. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Banner. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And I'm William Silver. Yeah. Zach just throwing a little and in there that he didn't yeah. need, forgetting I, that we I, have a, another guest with us this I'm evening. I'm so sorry. I'm so conditioned. <laughs> he's so used to being third. He He's I'm like... Our, last. I'm the last. The, all the Pavlov stuff I've been doing with Zach over the years is starting to pay off. So, I mean, that that is a that is a good thing. But yes, thank you everyone for joining us. We've got Will Silver joining us tonight to round it up to get a an extra voice in there, because it's a bit of a, a special episode tonight. We're not going to make too much of it, because it's just a number after all. That's how I feel when I get my birthdays now. It's just a number. It doesn't mean too much, but it, in some terms it does, because this is the 500th episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. We started the show way back in March 2013, just myself and Steve, then Zach came along, joined the show for a, a bit before we made the, the switch to CITR Radio. And then since we've been on CITR with the show, Zach's been a, a staple on the show as well. Will has come and gone over the, the episodes in the past as well. We've had a few other folk as well, like like Joe and Gideon and Naveed. So thank you to everyone that, that's been on the show's past, present and future. I'll just get that in now so they don't have to to bother thanking you in the future but yeah it's a day we thought would never come i mean i, I thought we'd have been cancelled by now to to be fair but before we get into the the show tonight because we've got a packed show for you we're, we're going to be talking white caps we're going to be talking cpl we're going to be talking mls western conference doing a little preview of that the kits that have come out this year we're going to take a a little look over some of those as well we've got two special interviews for you in this episode as well we're going to be speaking to vanny sartini great interview with, with vanny that's in parts two and three we're going to be looking at stuff on the pitch from a white cat's point of view we're going to be looking at what makes them tick off the pitch and a lot of fun chat in that and then in part five, we're going to be speaking to Pacific CEO, Rob Friend, and also the man leading the charge to get a CPL team launching next year in the Lower Mainland. So we're going to be talking all about that as well. And we've got some exciting news coming out from our chat with Rob and a few little exclusives thrown in there as well. We're also bringing back lots of our old favourites all our fun segments that we love and enjoy, and we hope you do as well. We've got them scattered throughout the show. Before we get into all of that, though, I just thought, let's be a bit self-indulgent. 
I guess this show is at, at the best of times. What what are some of your favourite memories, Steve? You've been in it from episode one. What do you look back on with a, a lot of joy? Um, other than the outtakes, uh, because you, those were actually the funniest things that were probably on the show. Um, I would say probably the one, the biggest things, especially before CITR, is trying to find a place to record. Um, oh yes, uh, we, we've, we've done we've, it in cars. We've done it in car parks. We've recorded shows there as well. Yeah, if we if we could put a uh, like a map down of all the places, it would be littered all over Vancouver. Like there's certain streets that we would drive on and just park and then record the show, um, watching, waiting for somebody to uh, point at us, going, "What are these two guys doing?" I know it's like, is this some kind of dogging thing that's going on? And the windows are really steamed up. And then the, we had that one in the forest in uh, UBC as well. Oh we yes. Interesting locations. Yeah, I remember doing it in the car park at UBC at Thunderbird as well, and then the lights went out on us, and we're standing there in the dark as security's driving around going, probably, ah, okay, I don't know what's going on here. They came by a few times. My car got locked in because we were late at BC Place the whole time. Oh, yes, because you didn't know it shut early. Yeah, I didn't know it shut at 1 1 a.m., so we were late, and then uh, we had to get a ride. Uh, back from uh, my uncle picked us up because oh, he lives sorry. in Vancouver. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. You, you had to go down at six or seven the next morning to go get your car. The car. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, <laughs> a lot of a lot of wild things uh, uh, over the times recording the show. What about yourself, Zach? Any fun memories? Any favorite interviews? Well, they're all my favorite interview, Mike. But I mean, obviously, <laughs> well, on, a, on, a, on a total serious note, there's two things that uh, stood out to me. Is one is yeah, the people. So obviously you and, and Steve, um, yeah, just getting to know you better. Obviously, we've known each other since you've come to Canada. Um, and so it's been good to just get to know you better. And then getting to know Steve has been really awesome. And um, yeah, ha- having him come into the su- supporter community was amazing. And then all the other people, whether it's hosts, like co-hosting, like people like Will or people we've interviewed or just people we've connected with. It's It's been uh, I've made a number. I met a number of people, made some good friendships and um yeah, I feel really blessed by, it. and then just the listeners and people who randomly come up to you, at the, you know, in the community and be like, "Oh, I listen to the show and I love this. I hate that, whatever." Um, is really awesome. The other thing I was I was honestly going to talk about was locations, because um, I haven't been a part of all of those crazy things. Although you've told me stories about lots of them, but um, just the number of places we've re- I've been a part of recordings. Like I remember back in the day when you when I first started doing some stuff with you, we do like some supporter roundtables or stuff like. We record recorded my old office or my old the old building I used to work at, and um, one of my favorite memories from there was that time we recorded with Jeff Tinker sitting in the room not talking the, the whole oh, time. Oh yeah, in, could... in my office. Yeah, live in front of a studio audience. <laughs> um, but that got us ready for the, for other things like going into uh, you know the radio station at UBC, which has been which was I mean a really awesome fun time aside from maybe the time where the where the drive <laughs> the drive sometimes, but. Um, mm. Yeah, just a lot of fun places or, yeah, uh, in stadiums or outside stadiums or, yeah, whatever. It's been it's been a lot of fun um, doing the recordings over the years. And the, I, the best, the, I think the best part about the, uh, a couple of things that remind me of Zach's church is the uh, trying to figure out what's ticking in the background. So yes. So plugging a whole bunch of things <laughs> to find out what's ticking. And then... Yeah. Uh, and then one time I had that whiteboard and I was like, uh, we're trying to figure out the roster for next year with a, like a group of people. Um, and that was fun too. Yes. Oh, we also, we called Camillo's agent from your office yes. as well. Oh. <laughs> yes. It just went to voicemail. Yes. 
Um, I, I recorded an episode whilst walking on a beach at Pacific Grove in California with my with old predictor Pooch. It's time for our in memoriam section now. Like blow our egos a bit. What have you enjoyed <laughs> listening to the show over over the last five hundred episodes? Apart from the ones that you were obviously on, because they've they've been your favourite ones. Yeah, I, obviously. Um, I I think two sort of categories for me. First of all, as as a uh, a fan, because I'm I'm a, a fan and listener first. Um, is I I just really appreciate the connection between the three of you, and uh, you know the banter and. Um, I mean, that's part of why you listen to podcasts and radio show is, is sort of the connection. Um, and then I love all the little jokes, um, you know, the, the um, players being 35 years old uh, when their reported age is 25 and, uh, you know, just things like that. And also the annoying jingles that you find that I now cannot get out of my head, fish and chips, chips and fish. My oh my, what a wonderful dish! Yeah, it's like well, now I can't hear fish and chips without hearing that song echoing in my brain. Wait till part five and a new segment as I now introduce another one for you. Nice. Well, I'm sure it it will be part of my household walking around as uh, I hum these songs. Well, I mean, I know Zach appreciates some of the musical links I, I've sent him over the. The, the last few weeks and months. <laughs> oh my! You, please, please don't talk about the friends that you play five aside with. <laughs> so yeah, that that that's it. Share your favorite memories of the of the show with us. We're five hundred down. Hopefully, five hundred more come. But let's get into the the show now. And regular listeners will know that in recent weeks we've been kicking things off with our TVOD section where we talk about a, a football-based TV show or film. But as I've mentioned, it's not always that that's going to be part of the section. Sometimes we just ask Whitecaps players or just general football players what TV shows they like, what kind of is their binge-watching thing just down, everything like that. So that's what we're going to go with to kick off the show tonight. We're going to hear the, the TV choices of Jake Nerwinski. TBOD, TBOD, TBOD. What's on your TV viewing just now, Jake? Uh, a lot of Netflix. I've been watching uh, The Office. The yeah. UK? Or... I've watched both, but I'm watching the US one right now. That's my favorite show of all time. I've never seen the US one. No? No. You like the UK one? Yeah. UK, yeah. They're it's very hard to similar. Watch, but yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask what, what your favourite show is, so what, what's kind of some of your other all-time favourite shows? Uh, Breaking Bad, like a lot, and um, what else about? Uh, Game of Thrones. Ah, yeah. I know. and is there any kind of guilty pleasure you have, any show that you feel bad that you watch but you like to watch it? Any reality shows? Yeah, The Bachelorette. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's bad, even my phone went off when that... you said that. That's, that's a guilty pleasure, that's good. That's, yeah, it's a good guilty Yeah. I don't need a TV screen. I just stick the aerial into my skin and let the signal run through my veins. TVOD. 
Jake Narwinski there, talking all things TV. On to the football chat now. <laughs> so, we do have a packed show in store for you. Because we're self-indulgent, I thought, let's go for a five-hour show for our 500th episode. But I thought, no. Because as self-indulgent as I am, and as much as I like to push the boundaries, I thought that's maybe pushing it a little bit too much. So I've just gone for a four-hour show instead. Now, it will probably be a three-hour show. We do have a lot to cram in, but we're going to kick things off with the Whitecaps news of the week. And the headline news, the Whitecaps are unbeaten in 2022. Unbeaten in pre-season. Four (laughs) games, two wins, two draws. Eight points, as Vanny liked to put it this week. They're so good they beat themselves. Yes, yeah. we, we will come to that. So obviously we did look at three of the, the friendlies in the last show, so we're not going to cover that. The last friendly came midweek, Wednesday afternoon, at LA Galaxy. Uh, came away with a pretty good 4-2 victory, thanks to a Brian White hat-trick and another goal from super draft pick Gio Aguilar. It was a match where I think they started strong, had a little bit of a, a lapse, I don't know if a, of concentration or just took their foot off the gas a little bit or whatever, then put their foot back on the gas, got another couple of goals. I mean, solid stuff. Well, it, it's tough to know where the team is because they've only played one MLS side. And I don't think it's that good an MLS side, which we will come to when we do our Western Conference preview. But it's positives, it's growing, and the teams look like they've been getting a little bit better with every game. Preseason always feels very awkward in the MLS, partly because, you know, we're waiting for windows to close um, and other things like that. And also, we don't often have all of our players in or practicing or healthy or have their papers properly figured out. Yes, um, although I have some news about that, which we'll, <laughs> I'll bring you in the next part. So uh, so it, to your point, Michael, it doesn't feel like this is really the squad. And uh, it's hard to really know who the starters are going to be. Mm. Even if we would pick them, they may not be starting because they may not be up to full fitness or they might not have their papers or what have you. I mean, Steve, the, the preseason games, we've... We've seen a progression, and I think there's a lot of positives to to take from it. The fact that they are and beating's good, and they've kept a couple of clean sheets. How how are you feeling going into the season? It's a little bit give and go. I wish they had there were uh, more visible improvements. It's great that they have everybody that's supposed to be in the lineup on, you know, on the pitch and everything as much as possible. Um, but it, and you're right, progression is good over preseason. Uh, but I, I, it's just that I'm I'm right now in a holding pattern right now because I just haven't mm-hmm. seen enough. Um, and obviously I wasn't at the game this afternoon, so I didn't see how that went. Uh, I heard it wasn't that great, but uh, overall, I think I think as as long as they keep progressing, it's not going to be like a as long as they don't get off to a bad start. That's the biggest thing because it's hard to get out of a hole like that. Yeah, if they can maintain something, that's that's the best step in the right direction. Is that you feeling confident heading into the season? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, well, I mean, we've talked about this before, maybe more so uh, off the air, but no, I don't, like, are they, is the roster better than at this point last year? Offensively, absolutely. Defensively, 
I'm a, I'm a little concerned. Um, but when you look at like today, like you look at today, when you, when you take out some people who have injuries or knocks or whatever, they're behind where they were last year. If, if mm-hmm. that's how the season's going to start. So I'm, I, I'm really concerned for them. Now, obviously they had, a, I think a good preseason. I think the games went well, the results went well. Those don't mean much. Um, but I, I, I'm a little concerned and then maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll have nothing to be concerned about because they might go out and just smash Columbus or get a, a road victory in Columbus and, 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 and get off on the right start and just start to roll. But I, I, it, it doesn't feel like they're taking the next, like, to use Axel's words, it doesn't feel like they're taking the next step this year at all. Yeah, not, not yet. Certainly. I mean, well, we were both at the, the game this afternoon, Whitecaps won. Whitecaps lost, bit yeah. of both. Uh, it wasn't a great game. It was it was 1-0 to the, the Blues, which was basically the first team. They had a slew of chances that they really could have been out of sight early going. Isaac Bomer, I think, had the best game I've seen him play. He pulled off some world-class saves and was outstanding. Then the kind of... MLS Knicks Pro, Stroke Under-23, Stroke Academy guys, kind of got a little bit into it, but pretty much I would, it felt like maybe 80% of the game was played in the half of the MLS Knicks Pro team, but you've only got one goal to show for that. Yeah, uh, I mean, the the one big thing to take away is Whitecaps had 100% possession, which was awesome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, I I thought the Blues were really putting on the gas in the first few minutes. Um, Bomer did make that great save uh, from a header. Um, but other than that, the second half was mostly forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, the Whites sort of started to do some pushes in the last, what, 20 minutes or so. I felt like they were actually getting the ball up the field a bit. Um, yeah, I think the but- crowd were just wanting them to have a shot on target. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it, it was pretty unremarkable. It was sort of the beginning, then the end. And there was a lot of stuff in the middle that, that was pretty boring. They could not convert. The Blues could not convert. And they were basically the starters, uh, even though there was a few kids sprinkled in there uh, or, uh, I guess, people that were in that um, camp. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it it. It wasn't a great showing. If I want to look at some positives, I would say the defences of both teams look pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Although the flip side of that is that could mean that the attacks of both teams were not too too great either. For the Blues, it was Brian White up front with Emiliano Brienza, who I'm a big fan of, and I think he's got a, a bright future ahead of him. Had a few flashes today, but nothing too much. A couple of standout players for me, Will, see if you agree with this. I thought Russell Tybert was actually quite good. He was lively. He was very offensive, had a few shots. Uh, Ali Ahmed at right back, oh, sorry, yeah, right back, right wing back, I guess. Um, He he looked pretty good as well, and he's a prospect I know that they're quite high on. Um, Alaji Ba for the for the Whites, uh, I thought were, was pretty good. He's another academy prospect. I've seen him play with, with the U19s. Isaac Bomer, as I mentioned, had a, a couple of good saves as well. Anyone else stand out for you? 
I thought Gutierrez, I mean, it just at least interesting from the pushing forward. He definitely had, um, hate to use the word, but penetration um, mm. uh, 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 quite a bit. And yeah. I mean, that's part of the strategy is to to have wing backs. So I thought that looked okay. Now that's not an MLS starting defense that they're, that they're going against, but I thought that wasn't bad. And like you said earlier, Bomer had, had a couple great saves and actually didn't look an embarrassment in the net although it did almost deflect off the post and off his head and into the net at one point and that certainly would have been a reverse atiba um <laughs> if that's something that we can call it but uh but yeah for the most part i i think you covered all the bases i would just say i i thought gutierrez wasn't too bad what what, what would you say about that michael no i, I think so as well and he he was up for it because there was a shot in the second half I think it was the it might have been the first half that he came close and he was really angry and kicked the advertising hoardings. Yeah. So it's yeah. like I liked that passion. But there was a few heavy challenges went in as well. Um Elijah Baz I talked about went in hard on Leo Russo towards the end yes. of the first half. And Leo hobbled off right in front of me and I thought, Oh, this is not looking good. But he came out for the second half, so at least he he was fine. But there was a couple of of challenges and apparently when a few of them went in, there were some looks on the bench of like, oh. <laughs> well, there was a pushing match, wasn't there? The yeah. it was was pushing someone. I didn't quite get all of that, but I I think there was a challenge. I there, didn't but... see it all because I had a lot of play. Because I was down at pitch side, so there was a, yeah. a lot of of players in front of me. But yeah, we we also got to see something that I loved, and I tweeted this out as well. It was the the battle of the national team head coaches on the whites jay herdman on the blues sebastian bearholter and they went head to head i got a couple of pictures off it you also had nick dasovich's son out there let's just get all the coaches sons in there that's that's what we need to do there was no david egbo uh, involved in the game today i believe he's going out on loan as the the curse of aftn hits again so we had max Crippo, he's gone kwame Iwua. He didn't uh, get through the training camp. Theo Bear off to St. Johnston. David Egbo, he's now gone to wherever he's he's going. It hasn't been announced yet. So, yeah. Last little bit just on this. I, as I said, I was pitch side today. So I was on the actual new BC Place turf. It's feeling nice. It's got a nice little spring to it. It definitely is a big improvement. And you just wonder how long that's going to last for. Well, I remember the last pitch being nice and bouncy. Yeah. So when it first came in <clears throat> around the Women's World Cup. So that is all the preseason stuff out of the way. The action now turns to the first game of the season next Saturday. But we do kick off in Columbus next Saturday. They are also unbeaten in the preseason. They beat the Granada national team 4 0. Then they had three games at the Carolina Challenge Cup 1 0 draw with Inter Miami. 0-0 with Charlotte and a 3-0 win over Charleston to close things out. They're looking strong defensively, maybe struggling to create and score from some of the reports I was reading. Now, the defending MLS Cup champs from 2020 missed out on the playoffs last season. They finished ninth, missing it by just one point. What are you expecting from this one, Zach? It's hard at this stage of the season. We don't know really what either is, but I feel this is a beatable Columbus side. 
Uh, it's beatable, but I think they're they're really good defensively. I think Caleb Porter will have them playing compact, and um, I think it's going to be who, whose uh, offense clicks the most. And yeah, will Vancouver be able to do what they did against the Galaxy in the last week or so, or will Columbus's you know key players like Zellerian you know uh, be firing on all cylinders? Plus, also, never forget the factor that will be Eric Hurtado. Oh yes, signed as a, a free agent, heading back to Columbus. Probably hoping he doesn't have to cross the border very much. <laughs> uh, well, what what are you expecting from next week? I, you know, I I think it's always a little bit like Forrest Gump. It's you know you never know what you're going to get. It's like <laughs> a box of chocolates. I, I I feel like the MLS is, except for some of the big clubs like Seattle and and things like that. It, it's all figuring itself out because the the lineups are such in flux. Players are coming in after windows in Europe close. Um, people don't always come in. People are recovering from injuries. Uh, you know, so I I sort of feel like I'm a broken record with what I said earlier, but I don't know what our club is going to be. And I think Columbus has the same problem because it tends to be an MLS problem. Yeah, I mean, Steve, I don't know, can we read too much than the fact that they didn't make the playoffs next season? I know it's a fresh slate, but it, it does feel like this is a team that that could be, be very beatable. They've made a couple of additions. I, I guess probably their biggest one is Joja Boa, who was signed from Polish side Wisław Krakow, but we, you don't know with European players how they settle in the in the league. Yeah, it's impossible. The 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 thing is, uh, talking about like ten years ago, it was easy to track because uh, there were so few teams of who's coming and who's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's almost impossible. It's even harder to track with the Whitecaps who's coming and who's going. Um, M- mostly going. Mostly I was going to say <laughs> you can't keep track of the, the three new guys signed. Yeah. One of them's a previous. No, but what what I'm saying is that there's a lot of like turnover. It seems like more than usual, and it's uh, all over the place. They even it used to be the top players would be there year in and year out. Now the top players are moving in and out of teams too. So it's very hard to track. Columbus could, yeah, they could be the team that missed the playoffs, but we could also show up and be the team that won the MLS Cup the year before. Don't know, but they have no idea. I mean, if you're looking then, Steve, at, at who you, you start next week. Now, we obviously don't know who's healthy and, and who's not. It's a tricky one because, like, Vanny's been going with the three-one-four-two for most of preseason. I think that is what we'll probably see in Columbus next weekend. We talked last week about who we think should be the the back three, based on how preseason has gone, and it's difficult because he has rotated the teams around. And he, like Vanny, Vanny's come out and said he doesn't have a start in eleven. He has a start in twenty-two. And that all the guys will see minutes this year. There won't be any player that doesn't see minutes. So they're all going to get time. So it makes it a little bit tricky going week to week as to, to who might fit in there. I, I think Eric Godoy is a definite starter next week. He got the goal today. He's been looking really good. I, I don't know who starts with him, though. That That's the thing. And I, I know we've said who we think it should be. And certain teams will dictate who they who they go up against. Columbus can be a bit physical, but they've got uh well they've got Jesse Zardes, so I mean he's he's a physical guy up front, but they've got pace as well. So I I mean who 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 do you think 
is in your starting eleven, Steve? Okay, uh, obviously Hassal at the back. Uh, Adu Godoy, um, Blackman, and um, uh, Renko, and then on the wings probably Dahomey and um, what's his name, uh, Gutierrez. Now I, I honestly don't know who's healthy, who's not. So correct me at any time. Um, in the middle, I have Owusu and um, uh, Alexandra if he's available. I don't know if he, he. I'm assuming he can play in Columbus. Yeah, he he can. Yeah, he, he can and, certainly play. It's whether he's match fit is the yeah. is the thing. Oh, that's a very good point. So if it's not him, then maybe they even go with Tybert as a veteran, especially mm. first game kind of thing. And then Gold up top with uh, a White and Caicedo. That's who my starting eleven would be. I like like that 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 front three for for sure. Zach, you see my little. No, I, I think I think that's good. I think I, I would stick with what I said. I think last week with uh, the back three for now, I I might go with Youngworth over over Blackman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, like I said last week, I think that'll change as the season goes along. So um, yeah, so those three at the back. I think in the in the middle of the park, uh, and maybe you guys can. I like how did Vite look in the second half? Actually. Pretty good. He had a couple of nice little flicks, and he he looks a talented, skillful player. Then, then I would go with Gutierrez and like Steve Gutierrez and Dahomey as a winger, um, and and then uh, I would go Vite and Owosu in the middle, and then Gold White, and uh, I might go Cavallini. Is he's he's, he's, he's got a bit of a knock. Right. And okay. then so, you, so so does Ryan Gold at the moment because Ryan yeah. was missing today. So assuming Gold's available, not. obviously Gold. I think if Cavallini were fit, I might choose him for this game. Because uh, if he's fit, I think you have to. I well, think you have I to like, go with your DP. I would rather have Caicedo. I've got to say, but but I like Caicedo coming off the bench and just running mm-hmm. past tired players. So, but yeah, if if Cavallini's not fit, then Caicedo. I agree with Steve with Caicedo as well. Well, any different thoughts? No, I I think I'm very. Similar to what you guys have said, I, I would uh, probably pick Youngworth over Ranko, although that could switch. Uh, you know, Ranko's had some some uh, growing pains here and there, and Youngworth seems a little bit more steady, so that's why I might pick it. But again, I think Ranko's a pretty solid choice regardless. Um, so then Godoy, Blackman, um, Dahomey, Gutierrez, um, Gal Dawusu, and then... Tybert or Alexandre um, White, and then Caicedo or Ca- Cavallini, depending on if Cavallini is good to go. Mm. I, I think we'll see Caio on the bench. I just, but we'll hear a, a little bit from Vanier in the next part talking a, a, about that. I, I, I liked VA today. I don't know if it might be too soon to push him in. Tybert would maybe make a lot of sense with Owusu. I thought Owusu looked really good today. Yes. And it was some of the most offensive play that we've seen from him as well. Um, and I know he's obviously playing against a, a younger, inexperienced team, but he looked good out there. And he's had a good preseason, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's, I think he's in, in form, I think you'd say. And he he certainly seems to be, this is why Bikel moved on. It's like he certainly seems to be the guy that fits mm-hmm. Vanny's style of play a lot better. So I'm just looking forward to the season getting underway. And hopefully... As Steve mentioned, to get off to a good start because you don't want to fall behind early. And that helped us last year, getting those points on the board and over those first four games. We took points from three of them, got a couple of wins. And that that was big. That really, really helped us later in the season 
because we'd had some points on the board, then we had our bad spell, but then we'd already had those points at least in the bag. So we'll see how all of that goes. As I mentioned there, one of the key guys is going to be Ryan Gold. Hopefully he is good to go. He was missing today. I think it was more precautionary because he, he took a little bit of a, a knock at training. You could say that somebody took him out. I'd like to take him out, maybe for a nice Indian meal. Let's hear if that's what he would like. Take me out! So uh, you're at home. You don't want to cook. Your girlfriend doesn't want to cook. What would be your takeout food of choice? What's your go-to takeout food? That would be a toss-up between Indian or Thai. Ah, They're probably my two favourites. You'll you'll get some good Indian things in Vancouver. Thai's a little bit tougher to get. I've struggled to find a good Thai place here. Yeah. What would be your Indian dish of choice that you'd go for? I mean, I like to mix it up, kind of. So I'm not always having the same thing, but a chicken karahi. That you can get chicken here. Chicken karahi is a brilliant dish. Yeah, you get that in quite... A, there's, there's a really... like You'll get to know the city a bit better, but there's a place on Commercial Drive called Sula Restaurant. That's the best Vancouver restaurant that I've I've seen. So they do All a right. good chicken karahi, so... Well, hey, I'll stop in by there then. Take me out! Ryan Gold, take me out there, chatting about his favourite takeout food. It's Indian, as all us good Scots, we love a, a good Indian meal. Next up, though, we're doing our sit-down chat with Vanny Sartini, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for February. And yes, the song that started it all, not for them, but for us. That was The Jam and Away From The Numbers. The song that gave us our name for the East Fife fanzine back in 1989. 
shortened to AFTN, and then it's just carried on ever since, growing and growing on both sides of the ocean. And now you're here listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, episode 500. Thanks for being with us along this ride. That song was featured on their 1977 debut album, In The City. And this was the live version, which was taken from a a CD single, a B-side for it. Much prefer the live version. It's a lot faster, much higher tempo. The the album version's a bit more slower. And I've got to say, isn't one of my my favourite jam songs. And then when I heard the live version, I just loved it so much. People have kind of wondered, why why did you come up with the name away from the numbers? Couple of reasons, really. Back in the, the fanzine days in Scotland, there was a, a lot of magazines and places that had lists of fanzines, and a lot of them did it in alphabetical order as opposed to like by club or whatever. Some did it by, by club, but those that did it by alphabetical order, you obviously wanted to get quite high up there, so I wanted something that began with an A or a B. And then I remembered this song, Away From The Numbers, and I was like, oh, that's perfect, because... At East Fife, you are away from the numbers. You're away from the big crowds. Not many people there. And just some of the lyrics of the song kind of resonate about supporting a, a lower league team. We then shortened that to AFTN pretty quickly uh, as we're typing stuff in that because it's a, a pretty big mouthful. And the rest, as they say, is history. But we'll have a little bit more from our Artists of the Month, The Jam, kicking off the next part. For now, though, it's time to bring you our first of two very special feature interviews that we have in this episode. For the next two parts, we're going to bring you a chat we had with Vancouver Whitecaps head coach Vanny Sartini. Chatted with him for about an hour on Friday about a variety of things. On-the-pitch football stuff with the Whitecaps, his off-the-pitch interest, some fun segments as well. So we're going to split our chat up into two parts. In this part, we're going to be focusing on the Whitecaps, the season ahead, what's happened in pre-season. Next part, we're going to look at some of his more off-the-field interests as well. And then after we hear from Vanny in this part, we're going to chat a little bit about some of the, the things that he's talked about in our chat. So go stick the kettle on. Grab your biscuit of choice, hopefully a chocolate digestive, sit back and enjoy the first part of our chat with Vancouver Whitecaps head coach, Vanny Sartini. So Vanny, back in Vancouver, happy to be back. Is Frida happy to see you back? Yeah, Uh, I'm happy to be back. Uh, Frida, yes, you know, it was, she was a little bit, I went away for 10 days. So the first days, uh, the first day that I came back, she was looking at me. I don't know if she was uh, particularly happy or she was uh, investigating about me because she was very close to my face every time. So <laughs> I'm happy, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to see, to be with my wife and, uh, and my cat, of course, and also back, back to be home because now this place now is three years that I'm living here and I consider this place as home too. So we're we're going to air this on Sunday. So we're recording it before, obviously, the inter-squad game on Saturday, but we're, it's going to be a week till the season gets underway in Columbus. 
I, I would guess you're just itching to, to get back on the pitch in a competitive game and get this season underway. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward, to be honest, to, to start. Uh, uh, pre-season is nice, you work a lot, you cement the group and everything. But the reason why you do this job is because you like the competition day and you have this little... Uh, I would say fire or this little butterfly in the stomach every time that you have a real game. So I'm really looking forward to February 26th and start the week. So looking at the preseason then, I, I would say pluses, minuses, big pluses, undefeated, seven goals over the four games. Brian White found his, his shooting boots, got that hat trick, a couple of clean sheets in there. Am I missing out any of the other positives that that you would take from from what you've seen so far? The biggest plus, I would say, that the team is uh, really trying to do what we as a staff, we as a coaching staff, are trying to implement as a style of play and as a way of playing. And the other big plus for me has been that uh, uh, the performance of the team has been... uh, always, uh, I would say, in progression. I would, the last one was the best one, and then the second West one was the second to last, and so on. So I, I'm pleased by the fact that it, mean, it it seems that the work is is paying off, and every time that we're playing, we look a little better. On the, the minus side, or the, the slightly negative side, there's been a few knocks. You kind of expect uh, in pre-season when folk are just getting back into it. But something you've spoke about a lot after the games is you're wanting to see better progression with the ball, with the team moving the the ball forward. How far away do you feel the team are from playing the way that you're wanting them to play? Well, I don't think very far. I think that we are far away from doing it for 90 minutes. Uh, what we're doing now is uh, we have moments in the game, and by moments I mean like uh, uh, seven, eight minutes, 15 minutes, where we are, where we're very good, where we're trying to do, uh, where we're actually doing what we're trying to do, and then we have uh, big pause moments. Uh, that that that's what happened with the Galaxy game, for example. Uh, first half was top, then we had 20 minutes. Uh, not very good, to be honest. And then we bounce back, having the last 15, 20 minutes again in control of the game and trying what we were trying to do. We need to uh, try to play our way of playing as much as we can. And also we need to, to don't lose the compactness when we're not able to do what we're trying to do. So that's a thing that we need to work because... Uh, uh, there's no, as I always say, there's no reason to be aggressive if you're not organized. Organization comes first, then aggressive. Brain comes first, then heart. You, you spoke, like when we spoke in December, you spoke about how you were going to use preseason to try the secondary formation. So yeah. we, we've seen the, the 3 one 4 2 in these games. Some folk will probably look at that and think, well, it's very similar to 3 4 one 2 how would you explain the difference with that? What can you get out of the team better in a three-one-four-two? Yeah, the well, numerically looks very, uh, very similar, and there are similarities, of course. But the big difference is that uh, uh, trying to explain now that uh, playing with uh, one six and two eights instead of instead of two sixes and one ten, like we were playing last year, 
it allows us to have the two central midfielder, the two eights, of being participating both in the offensive uh, uh, offensive uh, action and to have, uh, uh, like last year, we had Ryan Gold, because he played mostly there as a number 10, and he was the guy who was trying to be the extra man on the right and on the left. Now we're going to have trying to have the extra man on both sides because we are having one on the right, one on the left. And in this way, we, we hope that uh, it's going to happen that the two strikers are not going to be needed a lot on the side of the ball because there were always one uh, offensive midfielder last year. Uh, so they can stay within the width of the box, ideally. So uh, every time that we progress the ball and we are in the final third, we will be able to occupy the box with one player more. And then that we think that is going to help a lot our chances to, to have chances and, uh, and finalize those uh, opportunity uh, to score. So the big difference is now is that uh, if last year that uh, to, to try to resume very, very, in my, in very, very simplistically. If last year, most of the time, the uh, active player in the final third were five, we, we try to have now six players uh, that are the active players in, in the final third. So having more and having the possibility to have one more player occupying the box. And obviously in that formation, it's relying on the wing backs putting in a hell of a shift, getting up and getting back and making sure that everyone gets back in time. Have you been happy with what you've seen? I know you've tried various people in, in the different positions just now. Are, are you happy with how the, the wing-backs are looking? Yeah, everyone is improving. I'm very happy with Christian Dahomey that uh, uh, we want to consider the wing-back as his primary position this season. Also, in this way, we can play one offensive player more at top. Uh, and this... Uh, doing very well, especially the last two games, uh, three games, I would say, has been really good uh, there. Uh, Javain, uh, Gutierrez, uh, and Marcus Codinho, for a lot different reasons. Javain was with the national team the first three weeks, and he came not, I would say, in 100% of condition. Guti had the problem. Uh, he had COVID when he was with the national team, so he had to be out for, for a week. Uh, Godinho had a little problem on the calf. He was doing actually really well. They they're a little they're a little I would say behind in the sense of uh, uh, being 100% what they want because this uh, this position is is very demanding, but is also in order to be not demanding, you need to do what you are supposed to do uh, for 90 minutes because then become very demanding if you are. If I give you an example, uh, what we want every time is to mark the space and the ball and never demand. If uh, a wingback is uh, uh, scared sometimes because he sees a winger behind him and he goes defending uh, the winger, is killing himself and is killing the team. Because uh, now the, 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 the field to cover, to press the, op the opposition fullback is too much and uh, he basically screw up all the pressure of the other guys. So we need to be, again, very focused on what we're trying to do because only being very focused, we, we can be really aggressive and then, and also give the those runs that sometimes happens because if we press and the press is beaten, then you need to run 
a lot, especially if you're in the weak side, because you need to go there and, and help the defense. Now, it's obviously hard to, to get a good gauge just from watching a couple of minutes of highlights from the preseason, but in the middle of the park, you, you're getting to work with Pedro Viti and Caio Alejandri for the first time together. How are they working out as a pairing together? And Pedro Viti in particular, how is he kind of fitting in, into the group now? Yeah, uh, the way the reason why we also changed the system is because uh, getting into the season, we had uh, a lot of potential number eights. So uh, Goldie can play there, Rasti, but also Pedro, Caio, Leo can play there. So uh, having a structure for players to play in their natural position, it seemed logical to us. Pedro and Caio, they're doing well, especially Pedro. Pedro did the entire preseason. He played a lot of games. Uh, he's a very young player. Eh? He's a 2002. And we all know that uh, MLS can be uh, very challenging for a foreign guy in the first in his first year, but I think that he has the quality to become a really good player and he will help. Caio is a little bit behind just because he comes from a very big injury. Then he just trained like eight days. So uh, I have to be totally honest with you. I don't think that is uh, is working with the team and he will work with the team and it will be. But I don't think that we're gonna see. The real Caio, at least before the first international break. So not let's con- let's consider for him the first four games like he's still in preseason. Yeah, that 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 makes total sense. I mean, another midfielder that's caught people's eye, Giovanni Aguilar. It's, I mean, we've seen over the years that there's been a few draft picks. I've been quite excited by them that get taken yes. in the second or the third round, and they kind of. They fall by the wayside pretty quickly, but Gio seems to have really stuck around, got a couple of goals. You, you must be quite impressed by him. Yeah, I was impressed immediately when it was the first uh, training. And, uh, you know, uh, I said immediately, that's a guy that we're going to bring at least in San Diego, then we'll see. He's working very hard. He's working well. He's, uh, uh, what does he have even compared to the other draft picks that are all good players? He... He has a physicality and he's built in a way that uh, that he can sustain immediately the transition to to a faster pace. And uh, yeah, so what he what he will be doing is uh, 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 we want him to be a very important piece of our next pro team or our second team, but of course being very close to the first team because. Uh, uh, is uh, is showing that uh, anytime that he's a training, the level of training never goes down. And when he was called upon uh, in the games, he did very well. So uh, I'm very happy that we have the second team because the second team will help us not to gamble on players, but to invest in players. So even the players need to know that it's a necessary step. Uh, they don't have to look at the fact that, ah, yeah, but why do I have to... It's not the motion signing a second man is much better doing like this and be a protagonist on the second team than signing immediately for the first team and never play. I was going to say, it's become a bit of a running joke that every year I interview the draft picks and I go really in-depth with them and I get everyone excited about them and then they kind of disappear and we never hear from them again. So this year I didn't, so that's obviously why Geo's stood out. But if you look at the team, it, it does feel there's been a couple of big departures. Obviously, Max left and Johnny Bakel's gone. 
Do you feel that this team is stronger now than what they were when they finished last season? I think that the guys uh, are more into our way of playing and more into even more conscious on what we're trying to do. So in that way, I would say that the team can be stronger. Uh, I don't know what does it mean in terms of results. I have to be honest, but not because of us, because also of how MLS is. MLS is such a tight league where teams that they didn't do very well last year, they can do extremely well this year and the other way around. And uh, so uh, I have no idea uh, uh, on how to put ourselves in the map between the position number one and position 14 of the, of the Western Conference. I am confident that uh, the quality of the play that we did last year will be sustained this year. I mean, the West, it's always tough. And it's got even tougher this year because Nashville's Nashville. come along. What what are you expecting from from the conference? Who are the teams that you think, from when you look at the additions and everything so far, are the ones to really watch out for this year? Well, you know, there's uh, Seattle is a kind of a constant uh, powerhouse, I would say, and they retain most of their players, and they also got Bruznak. So that uh, they're going to be a good team. I think LAFC did uh, a very aggressive transfer market. They got uh, uh, Max, of course, but Ilya Sanchez and so some other players too. And uh, so they're going to be, I think, better than last year. And uh, yeah, and then having Nashville in our conference and uh, it's a team that in the in the last two years, always made the playoff easily, like number two or number three in the in the Eastern Conference. So uh, I would say those are the three teams that uh, probably, if I have to think about, uh, I don't know, favorites to the to the first team for, to the Western Conference. Those are the three teams that come to my mind. Yeah, I mean, last year. Towards the end, the two guys that were really flying, getting all the results in, Ryan Gold and Brian White. Towards the end of the season, though, Ryan got so much attention. People had watched him and he was kind of, he wasn't marked out of the game per se, but he was getting a lot of attention. Obviously, people saw what Brian did as well. Are you worried that there's going to be a lot of focus put on them or people are just going to watch them a lot more closely. Obviously, that gives the other guys the chance to to kind of rise up and, and come through. But do you think there's a danger there that those two guys are going to get so much attention this year? Uh, I'm not worried. That's also the reason why we changed the way. I don't think that also it was because they were uh, cutting them off with a, with a special attention. It was also our way of playing that was very demanding for the, the guys up top last year. Then at a certain point, probably they were a little bit out of uh, out of juice. So, and uh, I'm actually happy if they have uh, special attention because it means that we have a good team. So, you know, if uh, we are not like this because we 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 are not never done uh, a man marking team, but in the scouting, if we do, for example, I give on. Uh, 
now we play Columbus the first game. Of course, we're going to talk about, uh, hey, don't do a foul uh, close to the area because uh, Zelarayan on a free kick can do something. So I hope that the other team is going to talk about gold and white. It means that they respect us and they and they really, uh, I would say, well, fear us, but I would say that's, that really uh, there's a level of, uh, I would say, attention to to our team that uh, it's reserved for a big team. That being said, that's the reason why I say every time that the team is the leader. And of course the big players uh, or, or the players with more quality can help with their magic sometimes, but uh, it's not Ryan or Ryan that win the game, but all the team together. So uh, that's the, and the best way to do it is that if they have to uh, be, to do extra attention to 11 players instead of two, <laughs> maybe, they're going to be run, run out of uh, attention, uh, I don't know, fools <laughs> during the game and we can beat them. I mean, I think Vancouver certainly got a lot more respect now than it maybe had in, in a lot of recent seasons around the league, which has been good as well. Oh, that seems like a, a perfect time for us to, to wrap up the first part of this chat, Vanny. We'll unpack a little bit of what you've said and then we're going to be back in the next part chatting to Vanny Sartini about some of his off-the-pitch interests. So Vanny Sartini there, the first part of our two-part chat that we're having with him tonight, looking at the Whitecaps, the, how the pre-season's gone, looking ahead to the season. Now, one of the things, Zach, that you mentioned there, and we, we talked uh, about it there in the first part, are we stronger than last year? Are we weaker than last year? Or are we the same from when we finished last season? I would say we're stronger now than what we started last season. So a year ago, we're stronger. But I don't think we're stronger than where we finished the season. And I genuinely feel we are weaker. I concur. I, I thought that by by your nodding on the podcast, which always helps. Yeah, which always helps, yeah. No, I mean, I mean it's... Uh, it's hard. I think the these these little maybe you know injuries before the hopefully those guys are just being rested because this was a, a meaningless friendly. That yeah, was it's, pre- it's precautionary. So hopefully they're they're good to go and you know Kyle gets up to fitness. You know uh, as as um, Benny suggested. You know within the next you know these first four matches, but it, it still doesn't feel like they're at where they want to be. And it's interesting how his discussions were kind of devoid of the typical next step language and the make, mm. you know, the, this is where we're going to, this is kind of where we're aiming for. I mean, obviously they're aiming for the playoffs, but. Um, I, I liked that in a way though, because. You, you well, it's don't better want for to, him. Yeah. For you sure. don't want something to give them a rope to hang you by later on. Exactly. I mean, the, the thing is, Steve, he, he, he does feel that they're stronger in the sense that they're understanding the system that he wants to play yeah. and they're more cohesive with it. Yeah, and they, there's a, a, a lack of turnover. So in that way, they do have that. That's a po- probably a positive. But for me, there wasn't just a. I, I didn't feel like they needed like too big of too many changes, but there wasn't that one big change, especially in the central midfield that I was hoping for. That was the biggest one, and a little bit. I think I feel like they should have done a little bit more tinkering uh, on the depth points, especially considering all the players left. Uh, so th- those are the two spots that. Um, and obviously, 
the biggest one is the keeper position. Mm. That's the biggest like uh, drop off. And I don't think Hassal is going to be that bad. Uh, it's just that Kripo was so good. Um, Hassal, Hassal was good when he had the reins to himself. Uh, when he mm. had to come in as for uh, spot duty, that's when he struggled. So hopefully the fact that he has the reins to himself means that he will return to that form uh, from a couple of years ago when Kripo was missing for quite a few months. He brings up a good point about depth. What like Do you guys think Vancouver is deeper this year than they were last year? No. And that's the first year, I think, in MLS that I've heard you on the show, Michael, say that Vancouver isn't deeper than they were the year before. Yeah, and, and I've always been wrong because our depth then has been proved to be shit. So well, <laughs> no, but the problem, but the problem is, all the other MLS clubs, as the salary cap goes up, they all you know incrementally goes up every year. Yeah, they all get deeper. And again, I think when you look around the when you look around the the league or even just the Western Conference, well, what other teams have done? It's yeah, yeah a number of them have done good, and we will we'll look at this when we do our, our preview, but there's a, there are a couple of teams as well that haven't done much, and the Whitecaps are one of them. And, I mean, you, you could say, well, the Whitecaps were a playoff team, so they maybe don't have to tinker so much, but some of the teams that didn't make the playoffs haven't done much, and it's like, that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be in, I would think, right now. V- Vanny, he said this when he did his scrum on Friday, and said it in the interview there as well. He he can't say how knowing the system and everything like that is going to transfer into results on the pitch. So he mm-hmm. doesn't know where they'll finish from 1st to 14th. And we'll look at that at, when we do our preview. But it, it does feel like this is a wide open Western Conference, which does make, in a number of ways, getting off to a good start all the more important. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is you're going to ask a coach, especially one that's taken over not that long ago. Of course, they're going to say, oh, we're, we're, we're improved. We're, we're working hard. We're seeing good things, all that, all that kind of stuff. Although, like you said, it was devoid of some of the usual, you know, talking points um, and some of the recycled talk. And it's a little bit more personable. But, you know, of course, he's going to be positive about things. Um, to your guys's point, I, I don't think we're as strong as even at the end of the season. Krepo is a huge loss. Um, Hassel has had some good moments. He's still probably a young keeper. It's a position that um, really does take some time to, you know, get a lot of minutes in and, and get your feet underneath you. So I, I think it's a good choice. And I think that it is something that probably was going to happen eventually. I just think it was a little bit too soon. I would have liked to have Crepo for another season or two, but there was rumors that he might get sold somewhere or something like that. So um, that's been popping up yeah. for a while. I mean, so. I I couldn't hear very well today when Axel did his Q and A at the the Inter Squad game, but I think I heard him say that there's no they're not in any rush. Maybe it was Vanny that said it to to bring in another keeper just now because mm-hmm. they're comfortable with Thomas Asal, but Isaac Bomer as well. I have heard though that they are interested in a keeper that's mm. in the CPL at the moment. And mm. that could be the, the person that they, they make a play for. I wasn't given a name, but thinking about who that might be, I mean, it's not Callum Irvin, because he's just signed a new deal, so they'd have to pay money for that. And I don't think they'd want to pay money to, to, to bring in a, a guy that's basically been told you're going to be the backup. Marco Carducci. I can't see him leaving Cavalry to come in 
to to be second fiddle here unless cavalry were perhaps bringing in a new keeper and that could be what it is it could be a keeper just now that is the number one but there's a new guy coming into the club and he's thinking well i can be number two here or i could be number two in the mls pushing for number one so he might go and do that so i i, I don't know where we're we're sitting with that it, it's a concern but i don't think it's our biggest concern mm. and Vanny's confident that the quality of play from last year will certainly be sustained this year. And the thing, Steve, with the new formation, what he's looking to try and do is improve us getting the ball forward and in getting more men in the opposition half and especially in the opposition box so that when we're on attack, he wants to have six men in that box instead of maybe the five that he had last year. The flip side of that, though, is you're then leaving yourself short at the back. So these guys are going to have to really bomb back and put in a hell of a defensive shift. I watched Gooty a lot in the second half today, mm-hmm. or first half. I'm getting confused what who was shooting what way. But he was up and down so much, and he was, like, puffing and sweating, and he was one of the busiest guys on the pitch. Yeah, and, and that's a big uh, jump up uh, from the typical stuff that we've seen in the past. Not Vanny's team, but other times when you maybe see, a, if you're lucky to see one person in the box when it crosses it. Um, that that was a typical thing. Like, like we've never seen a white cap scene where there's multiple people in the box. I think that was where, uh, and we saw a little bit of it in that highlight against uh, from last Saturday um, on the goal when we had Goody send in the thing and there were two people and one person was able to connect Aguirre. Yeah. Um, so I, I, hopefully they're able to do that. So that the way, you know, if they're not um, somewhat able to create goals on the run, they can actually like bang some stuff in through chaos or something like that. So chaos goals. So I think that would be definitely helpful if we had more people. Now, obviously, yes, you are right. It's going to be a lot of people running back. Um, obviously substitutions will have to, play a key role then at that point and rotating the squad in and out will have to be huge in that case as well. We, we talked with, with Vanny there, Zach, about the new formation and what, what the difference really was because it, it on paper it, it doesn't look much at all. But if it gives them more of an attacking edge, I, I do like that. I do think, though, that we should... I know, I know Robo Ball was not that popular. Even Rennie Ball wasn't that popular, which kind of looked more solid defence. And they were kind of very defence-minded coaches. And, and Vanny's not. Vanny's, he, he's not a gung-ho coach, but he likes the attacking side. He likes to play some beautiful football. We saw some great stuff under Vanny last year with the, the team moving the ball forward. And when they're on a roll, they play some really attractive football. I, I do think... I'd like to maybe take it down a notch even and try and just get that defence sorted out. Because if we can keep the ball out of the net, then we're guaranteed a point a game, if you look at it that way. And then we just have to score one goal as opposed to maybe having to get two or three because we've been conceding. I I don't know that that's really in in Vanny's DNA, though, to play like that. Yeah, you're you're probably right. But uh, I, I think... Professional coaches get pragmatic when they need to get pragmatic. And I think, um, you know, if he needs to, he will. I think last year he he stayed the, stayed more maybe true to himself because things were working well. The one thing that was interesting in your conversation with him about the second option was how he talked about 
yeah, obviously, uh, you know, the opportunity with the uh, was three, one, four, three, two. one, four, two. Yeah. So the opportunity was going to get know, confusing. He wanted to get, you know, an extra, an extra attacker in the box. And he also, the interesting thing for me was he talked about how they want to have those two central midfielders in the four be more eights as opposed to sixes, which mm-hmm. they're usually more sixes in how they, how they lined up last year in the three, four, one, two. And so uh, I think that's kind of interesting. And it, and I don't know if it was you who said it, Michael, or, or we were talking about this or whatever, but it does seem like they have maybe more options, especially with like a, a, a Bikel gone. They have more options that are more eight looking kind of options. Yeah, they, they definitely have more eights in the team than they have in the past. Like Ryan can drop back and play there if need be. Mm. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see how, again, how those how do those eights go box to box? How do, how do they do not just on the being the extra man in the, in the in the attack, but also recovering and and uh, being able to help uh, help out in the defense. Well, Christian Dahomey, Vanny said that primarily he's going to be a, a wing back. That's going to be his role this season. He's been made vice captain as well, so that's a, an interesting one. Again, I think I think that's one of the key things to watch for Vancouver this year is how does Dahomey do there? How does he play? How does he perform? What's his kind of does he does it look like he fits well there and is like happy there? But also, well, you've also got Javain Brown. That, yeah, yeah, that oh yeah, yeah. That role as but, well. But if he's there seventy five percent of the time, Michael. Yeah, I mean that's a big. So, and how much does he contribute going forward? And I think the biggest thing will be is how much, how much, or how well does he handle the amount that teams key on him as the the area they're going to attack because yeah. they know he's so good at getting forward. Also, I've loved how he's linked up with Deber Caicedo, and I don't know that we'll get to see that in the same way this year, because that was one of the most exciting things last year. And I do want to see Caicedo involved. I know Steve said he'd, he he's good coming off the bench, and he is exciting coming off the bench. But I I, I like to I, I like to see him start, and I like to see him play. And I think this could be a very big year for him. Now, Vanny said what what he's looking for, and. Music, I'm sure, to Steve's ears, who does not like zonal marking, is mark the space, mark the ball, never the man. <laughs> he said that puts pressure, though, on wing backs and defenders that they oh, yeah. really have to be yeah. switched on. That's dangerous. Yeah, Steve, how do you feel about that, Steve? I'm a big fan of it. I'm concerned. I'm... Have we done predictions yet? Because I want to lower my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming up. So. Yeah, I, I was really, I was, I went back and forth where to put the white cat. But we'll come to that in the next part. Final bit for this part. Kyle Alejandri. So Vanny mentioned there, as Zach alluded to that, Vanny said, we're not going to see the real Kyle until probably after the next international break because he's coming off a bad injury. It, it's all to do with fitness. And it's not physical fitness because he's, he's looking good. He's playing games. He is fit. He's healthy. But it's match fitness, and they're two very, very different things. And it is going to take Kyle a little bit of time to get up to speed. That's why I think we're going to more see him coming off the bench. So the good news is that Kyle's Canadian visa has now been approved. So he can play games in Canada and the US. So there's no worries there. He's in Canada at the moment with the team. And just want to address a little bit of of how this played out because we talked about it on the show before and I, I tweeted some stuff out. There was a lot of negativity from the fans. So so just to give a, a little bit of an explanation, we, 
we're asking the Whitecaps if they could explain to us how all this played out. We won't go through the whole timeline. But basically, when you join MLS as a Canadian team's player, you have to apply for visas in Canada and visas in the US. So because the Whitecaps knew that they weren't going to be playing out of Canada, they were initially going to apply for the, the Canadian one, but they thought, well, we're an American club for now. We'll just do the, I forget the name of the visa, but we'll just do the, the US visa for now, and then we'll we'll get the ball rolling with with Kyle's Canadian one once we've got a, a better idea of when we might be heading back to Canada. So then Kyle got injured, and the Whitecaps had already started the application for the visa. But what that would have meant is that Kyle was going to have to fly after his operation to have the visa meeting and go through all the things that they have to do. And the club felt that that wasn't the best thing for him in terms of his injury recovery. So they had to actually postpone that meeting. So that was why the visa was then delayed and they didn't apply for it until October and then it's taken way longer than they thought. It's been tough, apparently, for like Brazil and Argentina at the moment. There's a lot of delays with, with visas from those countries. But that was why there's been the delay. It's like he had the interview, but the injury kind of pushed that back a bit, which was then why they didn't want him to travel to it. So that makes a lot of sense. Storming a teacup. It's all sorted out now. Kyle's good to go, and I can't wait to see him on the pitch. And I really, really want to see how him and Pedro Vite link up this season. That's one of the, the really exciting things that I'm looking to see. But that's it. Unpacking what Vanny said about the white caps. We're going to bring you the, the second part of our Vanny interview now, where we're going to be looking at more off-the-pitch things with Vanny. What makes him tick? Why does he love Italian political philosophers so much? And a few more things as well. So we'll be back with all of that after this. I'm Andy O'Brien, and you're listening to the AFTN radio show. Give my ball and yard of grass. I'll give you a move for the perfect pass. Give my ball and yard of spice. He'll give you a move with godly grace. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Now we kicked off the last part, we said it was the song that started it all, that gave AFTN its name, the jams away from the numbers. Kicking off this part, it's another song that kind of started it all in a different way. That was the Sultans of Ping FC with Give Him a Ball and a Yard of Grass. 
taken from their 1993 debut album, Casual Sex in the Cineplex. It's a song about football, it's a song about Brian Clough, and it was also the first ever song that we played in our official wavelength section way back in February 2017. We'd kind of had a couple of wavelength segments and stuff in the show before, but we'd never done a proper weekly wavelength section. So when we brought the show over to CITR Radio in February 2017, I wanted to introduce that as a a regular feature on the show. So we've had over five years now of us playing various football songs on the show. We've still got a lot more to bring you. And the very first song we played to kick off the segment was the Sultans of Ping, Give Him a Ball and a Yard of Grass. So I thought, let's dig it out again and play it to kick off this part. That song also I got to play very excitedly at a TSS Rovers game back in the USL two days because the guy that was doing the PA hadn't been able to get to the game so I got a late call from Colin Elms going is there any chance you can do the PA and bring some music with you as well as the commentary and I was like sure and I was like great this is my chance to share my fantastic football songs to the, the audience there. So we played the Sultans of Ping, a few other songs as well. Not sure they went down that well. Not sure we're going to be in charge of the music again at TSS Rovers, but I had good fun playing it anyway. And I did get some tweets going, Yes, Michael's in charge of the music today. And yes, they were right. So let's move on. And we're going to bring you the second part now of our in-depth chat with Vancouver Whitecaps head coach Vanny Sartini. Looked at the Whitecaps season to come, we looked at pre-season, everything Whitecaps related in the last part. In this part, we're going to be looking more at the man himself. What makes him tick off the pitch? How does he unwind? Why is he such a big fan of Italian political philosophers? So we cover all of that and a lot more in this part of our chat. So again, sit back and enjoy the second part of our chat with Vanni Sartini. We're going to just move a, kind of away a little bit from, from the football chat just to round this off, just to chat about a couple of things I've wanted to talk to you about for a while. But first of all, obviously people see you on on social media and the videos and everything and you're, you're always quite full on. How easy is it for you to go home and switch off? How I know you like to read. Is that your main way of unwinding? How do you go home and just switch off or, or can you not switch off? Uh, I think I do both in the sense that uh, I am very happy that uh, this opportunity arrived to me at at a period of my life that I'm not uh, extremely young. Uh, Because uh, uh, I I realize now that uh, soccer is a very important part of my life, but it's not my life. So, and, and also... The fact that I have a million of interests and the fact that I like to live uh, and to have uh, fun outside uh, the game in, in, in a lot of ways helped me really shutting off the, uh, let's say, the soccer part. And of course, it's never completely off because uh, there's a call or something, but uh, it allows me to, okay, let's concentrate on reading something or 
or looking the new series that I'm watching on TV or uh, discovering a new place with my wife when I go out. So uh, uh, this passion that I have actually from, I always say that I'm, I'm very passionate of learning new things, uh, helped me to really looking forward uh, to the next thing and not uh, too much overthink of what we've done before. So that helped me so far. And I hope that, uh, and I actually have to be honest, I became much better in, uh, uh, with, the, with, the, with the years of doing that. In the, in, in the, when I was uh, younger, it was uh, if we lost or something, or even if we won, uh, uh, I was always rethinking about the game. And I think that uh, uh, it's not healthy to be honest. Yeah, I, I have trouble switching off sometimes at night as well. And then I don't switch off and then I go straight to bed and then I can't switch off in bed. So I need, I need to work in that. TV-wise then, what, what is it that you're enjoying on TV at the moment? At the moment, I'm watching a, 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 a series on Apple TV. It's called Suspicion. That is very good, in my opinion. It's about a guy that has been uh, kidnapped in, in, in the United States, but a bunch of British people are the suspects. So it's really nice. I think I've seen some some clips of that because there's, there's a, there's some football related thing in yeah. one of the clips that I've seen doing the rounds, okay. I think. Uh, and uh, it's like, a, I really like the, uh, uh, when a, a series is well constructed and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a, uh, uh, it's, uh, I would say, a medium that now uh, uh, pleases me more than movies. When I see a movie, oh, every time I have, okay, they could have been more in-depth with the character or something, because, of course, it's really hard in, I'd say, 100 minutes to go to do this. So now I'm, I became really uh, addicted to a lot of uh, series on TV. On TV so that, you know, but I like a lot. I like, I can say I, I really like... Uh, also comedy, so that's, a, that's I like a lot of things. Well, talking of movies, we've started to doing on our show a section where we're kind of looking at TV, football-related TV shows or movies. So yeah. last week's show, we actually looked at the Italian film Ultras that's on Netflix. Yeah, that's a beautiful movie. Did that's you watch really... that? I was going to ask what you thought of it. I loved it. That's a really beautiful movie. It's a movie that was done in the early 90s. Uh, no, no. This, a new one? this is a new one. It was in 2019. It's okay, about okay. it's so about it's football probably, hooligans. Probably the remake of the one done in the early 90s in Italy. Oh, and is it is it still about football hooligans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about football hooligans. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was the a remake. Really nice. Beautiful. It's really beautiful because that was a big, 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 big uh, topic in Italy in the 90s: the hooliganism and the violence and the uh, politicization of. Uh, of the of the tifos and uh there there uh, it was it was a it was a really it was a really good movie yeah so the movie about soccer yeah there's there's some movies that are nice about soccer so when i was a kid i loved the uh, escape uh, what's in english escape oh, to escape to victory yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> i really loved it and uh I think that now soccer is so important that it can be really a medium also. You've seen with Ted Lasso. Like, yeah. Became... yeah. I don't have Apple TV, so I've never seen Ted Lasso yet. Yeah, I, mean, I actually love the, uh, the the series. I think that the, the, the soccer 
section of the series are really bad, to be honest. But everything that's quite common. And <laughs> eh? in, in lots of t- football TV shows and films, the football part's really not good. It's really bad, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, so I know you like to read, and you're into quite heavy like reading material as well. And political philosophers is yeah. something that really interests you and you've you've quoted antonio gramsci before what is it about that that you you just love so much and what is it the why are you so passionate about that side of things i love uh, because i think that uh politics and the philosophy behind the ideas it's tried uh, our challenge that the humanity always had to try to find someone for the common good and you can be of, from every side of politics or every, every idea, but if you go into this at the beginning, you do it because you really try to look the idea and the formula and the explanation for the, uh, to improve the life of everyone, basically, to improve, to try to make a better world. And uh, I think that uh, it's uh, our uh, ultimate task that uh, we have uh, as a human being uh, and if we should try to make this place a better place than the one that we we had when we started our life so and uh, following uh, idea and being more into these ideas and also into the evolution of the ideas and how these ideas are different to each other uh, i think it, it helped me uh, it helped everyone but uh, personally it helped me a lot on uh, on shaping my view of the world and to be honest it helped me a lot on how i do my job because i don't i i'm, I'm a big believer that uh, uh, you are in your job uh, the the person that you are at your core so there's a lot of things that reflects what you try to do on what you believe in and what you think about it that's interesting because i was going to say the only italian political philosopher I've ever read was Machiavelli. Okay. I, I read the Prince. Like me, but, yeah. Uh... I, yeah, I was going to say another uh, <laughs> guy from Florence. So I did that. I read that at college. I read The Prince and Discourses. Can, yeah. can, you, can you adapt? Uh, I'm, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, me and Machiavelli, we are on the, on the opposite of the, uh, I would say, I can say political spectrum, but not on the opposite. He was a very utilitarian in the sense that he was very cynic and yeah. trying to use everything in terms to stay in power and uh, without any, I would say, con- concession to ideology. And of course, he was a, one of the biggest philosophers of the Renaissance, but his, uh, Il Principe, the prince, is uh, his big... Uh, his big treaty on on politics is it's it's all about how a guy that uh, is in power should keep power and how for his uh, for his own uh, for his own good I would say and uh, if not the vision is actually to keep power basically so and I don't don't agree I like the there's a couple of things that Machiavelli is very good at it it was the first one who said that uh, in order to uh, predict uh, future behavior in in politics. You should should study histories because past behavior is is the the main thing of uh, that can predict the future behavior. But you know, I I actually think the other way around. I think that uh, 
if you have a if you have a position of responsibility, like even even a coach of a soccer team, or even I would say at the when you have a, some other people that quote unquote work under you, uh, I think that uh, uh, you you must have a vision, and you, the vision must be very clear, and your set of core values define how how do you want to achieve the vision. Because I, I know Machiavelli's kind of thought of as promoting the evil side of politics. So you don't take any of that into your head coaching role. That's not how you, how you survive. No, I, I try not. I try not. And then, of course, anyone, uh, uh, no one is perfect. So probably there's several ex- uh, examples in my life where I haven't been so coherent on what I, what I, what I want to do. But at least I try not. I try really to to stay with the fact of uh, uh, basically being transparent with the players, uh, being open with them, uh, treating them with uh, uh, with fairness and uh, and try to stick to the principle for me that my biggest principle that uh, 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 the individual is never more important than the group is the other way around. And in life for yeah. me is the same. Last thing, and then I'll let you go. I really appreciate all the time you've given me. So, I know you're left-leaning. I know your political stances. How does modern football sit with you? What what do you love about modern football? What do you hate about modern football? I hate, uh, if I'm calling about, uh, uh, let's call it about the world football. I I, I, I hate how the resources are... are, uh, are divided in European football. I I I think that uh, the fact that uh, uh, you know the rich club become richer every year because if you go to Champions League you get a lot of money and uh, the club that they don't go to the Champions League uh, they don't go they don't get the money. The gap between the rich and the poor in terms of club is becoming big and big. Unfortunately, it's the same thing that we are seeing in society. Uh, I think that uh, I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong for the game. I think it's totally wrong the fact that uh, uh, Bayern Munich is going to win the 10th title in a row in Germany, or Juventus won nine times the title in a row in uh, in uh, in Italy. So I think that uh, uh, the uh, redistribution of uh, the wealth that even the big club uh, get uh, should be done. Uh, should be a much better way of uh, of being a part of uh, the game. That's that's the thing that I would do. I, I actually think that uh, uh, even if with uh, is sometimes complicated and convoluted, the idea of the salary cap that we have in MLS is much more uh, uh, fair uh, than uh, than the than the open market that we have in Europe. I have to be honest. I agree. And, uh, I I think that uh, the game is going to uh, to suffer if we continue if we continue in that way uh, because uh, it doesn't make any sense for a club to have uh, a billion uh, <laughs> of uh, there's already a big club if let's say I'm let's say talking about let's do an an an, an, uh, uh, an example now with Italian football I'm Juventus and I'm Fiorentina the club that I support okay Juventus is already a big club. With a bigger with a bigger fan base, so it's going to make more money. So, is going to the Champions League and getting 
a lot of money more. So the gap between him, them, and the, and the lower club is going to be bigger, 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 bigger. I think it's a wrong, wrong, wrong way to develop the game. I think the game should be that, uh, uh, I'll give you an example. If I go to the Champions League, a big part of that money goes to the, to the club of that, uh, of that country divided to every club. Or uh, we create a European or a world salary cap or something, right? like, uh, because it's, uh, it's, we need to find a way that, uh, you know, you Scottish, you need to find a way that Hibernian can win the Scottish League. So why only the, oh, why only the big, uh, uh, it's, because if not, it's, uh, we're going to lose a lot of people uh, rooting for, for clubs. And then, uh, and if we, and if we lose the, uh, attachment from the people from a city to the club of, of, of their city because it's boring to follow them because they lose every time. Uh, uh, we lose the the base of soccer that is love. Yeah. I mean, money is so involved in the game. We've touched on it before, all the gambling companies. I know you're not a fan of how much they're involved in the game. I don't know how it changes. I think it's just going to get worse and worse. I know. Well, again, it's probably it's impossible to change, but I would say it would be much possible to manage all the money that already come in, especially the TV rights, and uh, to have a much more equal distribution of that money. Of course, not to, uh, let's say, eliminate the gap, but at least to reduce the gap to make it fairer. Well, as always, I thank you so much for your time today, Vanny. I know I've taken up a lot more of it than we maybe planned. Are, are Italy going to make the World Cup? Let's end on that. Uh, 100% yes, because when we are, uh, I'm, I'm closing it in a very, I would say, uh, um, maybe I'm not very uh, educated, uh, uh, I'm using some bad words. Uh, when we are in the shit, we Italian. We, we are always creating something to cater off and, and create from shit a diamond. So that's, uh, <laughs> we're going to beat North Macedonia and we're going to demolish Portugal and we're going to go to the World Cup. Let's hope so. Let's hope it's Italy, Scotland and Canada there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotland and Canada are going to be for sure. Well, okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vanny. Good luck with Good. everything and we'll talk soon. On Bye, Cheers. Bye. Absolutely fantastic stuff there from Vanny. Always love chatting to him. Really appreciate the amount of time that he gave us to, to chat about all those things on Friday. Hope you enjoyed it as much as myself and Vanny enjoyed that chat. He's definitely a very interesting character. Genuinely could speak to him for hours about a number of different things. And, and I'm sure we will over the coming months and years. He's certainly got a, a tough job ahead of him this year though, trying to get the Whitecaps back into the playoff positions, try and go one stage further at least than they did last year. Wish him all the very best. Look forward to seeing him really stamp his mark on the team this year. Vanny and Axel Schuster have worked really close together and I, I know they're moving the team in the direction they want to go. I still feel there's a couple of pieces that they maybe need to add to it, but let's see how they do. Talking to Axel Schuster, we've spoken to Axel a lot on the show over the years. And of course, another regular feature in these past 500 episodes of the AFT and Soccer Show, one of our favourite fun features that we do is Anyone Fancy a Chocolate Digestive? 
We've done it with a number of players, coaches, Whitecaps, CPL, around MLS. So let's find out now if Vancouver Whitecaps CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster fancies a chocolate digestive. So if you're sitting at home and you decide to have a hot beverage, what's your hot beverage of choice? A tea, a coffee or something else? Nespresso. Ah, we've just bought a Nespresso machine and I'm loving it. So uh, do you have a sweet tooth? Are you a biscuit fan? I'm a chocolate guy. So I like dark chocolate. Oh, Uh, what what would be your dark chocolate of choice? What would be your chocolate of choice? Everything. So I would say my perfect choice is a 70% uh, chocolate. Perfect. And do, I, do you dunk that in your Nespresso? Yeah, sometimes. Yes, really. <laughs> perfect. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Axel Schuster there, not fancying a chocolate digestive, but liking a little bit of dark chocolate there with his coffee. Much like my wife, I can't have too much dark chocolate. A tiny little bit is enough for me, which is probably a good thing, really, considering how much milk chocolate I kind of shove down my throat hole. But that is it for this part. We're going to be back in the next part, looking more generally around MLS. We're going to have our Western Conference preview How will the Whitecaps fit into that? We're also going to look at some of the kits that were released this week around MLS, giving you some of our favourites and some of our design no-nos. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Carl Valentine. You're listening to the AFTN Podcast. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's back to our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for February, English band The Jam, and that was their debut single, released in 1977, In The City, taken from their debut album of the, the same name. And I thought I would play that song in particular because it was MLS kit launch week for a, a lot of teams this week. Um, the Whitecaps have gone for a This City kit. So the, the Whitecaps have gone with a kit 
that fans have been wanting for for a long time. It's a nod to the past. Blue kit, white hoop, doesn't say Vancouver or white caps across the middle of it. It says Bell. That's what you get when you have sponsors. It's the This City kit. We're going up in the world. We're expanding. It was a village. Now it's a city. Metropolis next. Get a little deal going with the shopping mall in Burnaby. Is the village stuff totally gone now? Oh, but the branding of the village was a, a BC place today, so I think think they're still going for a village and a city. Well, you, you're uh, what I would call a, a kit aficionado. Yes. I believe Zach calls you a kit nerd. Yes, there you go. What do uh, you make of the, the new white caps away kit? I like it a lot. I'm just going to cut Zach off at the pass. It's not technically a hoop. It's a, it's a bar. And I know that I've heard in the past that it took heaven and earth to move and get um, the the full hoop for the home kit a, a few years back. Oh. Um, and it actually, a little birdie who has inside knowledge told me it takes about two years to get that going, to actually get the back especially put in and, and have that worked out. Um, wow. So, and it may actually involve money as well. So I, I think that they're just not willing to go through the time, effort, or money to do the full hoop. Having said that, that's uh, fair. I've got to say, it's like it's like is it worth it? You've got to ask. Yeah, yeah, I I do love it. Uh, I would say the only thing, if anyone out there is looking at buying the new kit, I took a look at it today. The bar is a white material. It is see through. Be forewarned. Undershirts might be a good idea. If you have interesting tattoos, they will probably show up through the jersey. So uh, oh, just a little bit of pro tip there. Oh, I, I, I like it, Zach. I've got to say, when it came out, I, I like the colour of blue. Like seeing it in the flesh today, so to speak, it's a nice colour of blue. It, it, it goes well. I didn't read all the graphics. Though. What what shade of blue are we calling this? Is it navy? Is it, what is it? I didn't even look at that. Is it like It's not quite royal, right? It's But it's... Not it's kind of it's kind of royal blue, yeah. Okay. But a, a nod to the Vancouver Royals. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I totally agree with Will. It's it's the whole yeah. It's it isn't a hoop. It's the third bar that they've had, right? This is at least the third bar kit that they've had, and the hoop thing. It's more about identity, right? Like there are a few clubs around the world that have hoops, and they were one of them back in the day. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of in some ways strange that they haven't embraced that identity because it so resonates with the, a number of their fans who are still around from that time. Um, and so I'm kind of, it's kind of surprised. So, so the comments are like, Oh, this is great. Is like, yeah, of course it's great. This is like, this is like a lob for them, right? You make a, a, a hit, a, a kit that has a hoop on it or a bar on the front even, mm-hmm. and people in Vancouver are going to love it. Right. So yeah, I kind of for for their sake, I kind of wish they had they would finally just say no. We this is our identity. Like we're gonna always have like one kit that's a hoop because it's who we are. But again, it doesn't sound like that's ever gonna happen. The other thing is the this is the first time though. This is the first season where every kit they be, will be wearing will have the bar. Yes, right. They're home and away. So that's kind of I think kind of nice for for fans and again for a sense of identity. And I know was it. Chicago Fire used to have, you know, a bar, you know, on all their kits for a long, long time or their primary kits for a long, long time. But, but I mean, all in all, like those identity things aside, I agree with you guys. I think it's 
I think it's uh, quite a, a sharp looking kit. Yeah. And I think it'll do them well in terms of uh, sales and making them some money. Steve, you, you're a fan of this one? I, I like it. I didn't know. I hadn't had a chance to look at the, what the back looks like. So it's, what are the colors of the numbers on the back? Where are they going to be? Are they going to be the light blue? blue? Was it light Was blue? It the light blue? Then I, I kind of like that because I did mm. like the red on the previous uh, kit that they had. I think it was red. The red didn't show up well, but again, that yeah. was because they were trying to be nostalgic, historic. Yeah, you know. I, I hated the red numbers. Yeah, I, 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 I wish you could be nostalgic with still updating it a little bit so it looks good. Before we, we have a, a look at the Western Conference and give us some predictions for that, I, I, let's bring you another one of our fun segments. And this is one of my favourite sections, as we're going to find out just what is Florian Jungwert's favourite jam. What's your favourite jam? Traffic jam. What's wrong with raspberry? What's wrong with plum? How's about a blob of elderberry on a scone? What's your favourite jam? So if you're sitting at home, and you don't have that sweet a tooth, so you, you might not want this, but if you decide to have a crumpet or a muffin or some toast and you want to have some jam in it, what's your favourite jam? I hate jam. You hate jam? Hard to answer. I don't know. But let's, let's say cherry. I don't know. Oh, that's my okay, least favourite really... jam, so that's okay. Oh, that's okay. I think last time I ate jam, I was like 14 years old or something. Oh, the last time I had it was two nights ago. So, okay. Was it cherry though? Or? No, it was strawberry rhubarb. Sounds good. Yeah. What's your favourite jam? I mean, Flo, you would expect him to go for a, a bit of an odd jam. Cherry, I think, is a, a an odd choice that he went for. I also like how he just dismissed it like he hasn't eaten jam since he was 14 years old. So just dismissing that segment, it's for children. It's not. Jam is fantastic. Still got another fun segment to bring you and it's our new one and it's in the next part and I'm very excited for it. But let's finish off this part with a quick preview of the Western Conference. So first of all, we'll have a look at who we don't see making the, the playoffs. And I want to start by asking all of you, and we'll start with Steve, who you see finishing bottom of the West this year, Steve? I think it's actually going to be Austin. I think Austin FC, uh, they, they, I, I don't think they're going to have that much of a turnaround. I, I think even last year, I thought they would be better. And I thought this year they would slump a little bit. The fact that they weren't very good last year, it tells me that I think they're going to be worse this year. I, You know, last year there was the trifecta, the Texas, the Texas yeah. trifecta. And uh, I agree with Steve. I think it's going to come from one of those three. So whether it's Houston or Austin, maybe not Dallas this time around. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think... I, I went say, with Houston. I might, Houston. I might say Houston. Yeah, I went with Houston. What about yourself, Will? I, I was actually thinking Houston. Wow, we have some consensus. The, the reason I went for Houston is you look at who they've brought in and it's really, it's not much at all. And it doesn't seem guys that... I feel is is really going to turn this team around, and they've had some quality in the past that just haven't got them over the line. I, I, I see them struggling as well. I'll give you the the seven teams that I have not making the playoffs. So I've got Houston in fourteenth, 
San Jose in 13th because, again, they have just not added players this year at all. Austin, I like some of the additions they've got and they seem to have that, that push at home. I've got them 12th. I've got the Whitecaps 11th. Galaxy 10th because, again, I do not think that they have strengthened at all. But they are a team that can go out and spend money in the summer if they need to. RSL, I see fallen out of the the kind of playoff picture. And I've got Dallas as one of the big risers. I think I think they've added enough to get close to the playoffs, but I think they'll just miss out in eighth. Will, what, who have you got missing out? I mean, I think that's a pretty good list. Definitely, I Texas team, so Dallas, um, Houston, Austin. I think the Whitecaps are really close to being on the bubble there. Yeah, I think that's probably yours is pretty accurate. It's really hard to see, you know, a lot of the other teams like Colorado or Seattle, Portland falling down. So yeah, uh, I, I would say that's a pretty good list that you've got. I think one of the interesting things was always happens when you have a new team. So bringing in Nashville, mm. uh, I think is going to be really interesting. Mm. I mean, they, they, they lost some key pieces, you know, especially we think here of Alistair Johnston. But I'm interested to see where they're going to kind of fit in. In terms of who's out, I yeah, the Texas trifecta I have, again, I think all of them are going to be out. I think Real Salt Lake uh, is not going to be able, you know, without Rusnak, I don't think Krylach is going to be able to yeah, carry that. Yeah, that was the, the big reason I had them falling so, so far, yeah. really. It's just Rusnak was so crucial for them. Obviously, yeah. Krylach is as well, but you can't yeah. just rely on one guy. So uh, Salt Lake, uh, I think... San Jose has brought in like a Calvo who I think could help them at the back. But yeah, I think probably San Jose as well. And Vancouver, yeah, I think Vancouver is going to be a 8, 9, 10th kind of place team at the at the best. And then the one other, see, I want to say Nashville just because I'm not sure how they're going to stack up with playing the Western teams. I think it's going to be quite interesting to see how they, how they, yeah, that's a good point. Playing against completely different opponents. So I'll just say, I'll exclude them for the moment. Hmm. Steve, are you going to, to save the Whitecaps? Are you going to be Mr. Positive and have them making it? Well, I, I do it in the, uh, my predictions in a different way. I, I have basically teams that I don't think are going to make the playoffs, teams that are in the bubble, and mm. teams that I definitely feel like are going to make the playoffs. Okay. The teams I don't definitely I don't think are going to make the playoffs are Austin, Houston, San Jose, and RSL. Those are my four teams that are I feel are definitely out. Uh, the teams that I feel have a chance. So this is basically teams like 10 through 5 maybe, or 6. I don't mm. know. Um, so it's five teams. Uh, Vancouver is one of them, FC Dallas, Portland, Nashville, and Colorado. So those are teams that I think are in that bubble of teams. And actually, I'll probably add Minnesota to that as well. Who have you got, Steve, for winning the West? Winning the West, I think it's actually going to be, for me, LAFC. I think Kerpo is going to make that much of a difference. Um, I think they've done a little bit decently on the back end. Um, well, they have added Kirpo... to Neil Henry, so that's a, that's a lot yes. of goals that they're going to give up this year. <laughs> no, I think I think Daniel Henry, I think if you, if you pair him with the right person, I know you, you were guesting there, but if you pair him with the right person, I think he can do well in MLS. Um, uh, sometimes his uh, partnership has not been good, and he's had times when he hasn't had a good keeper behind him as well. And, and, mm. and like any white cap center back in the past, he's always suffered from a horrible midfield. 
And yeah. when you have an LAFC yes. midfield and attack that is going to pump in goals, all you have to be is decent and you'll be okay. I want to make one, one amendment to mine. I actually think I might switch Colorado for Nashville. I, I think Colorado, when you look at who they brought in and, and more so who they let go, I think they're a much worse team um, mm. than they were last year. I know I know we all have high hopes for Mark Anthony Kay, but I, I, I could see them being on the outside, uh, dropping significantly, obviously, um, and uh, Nashville taking that last spot. Yeah, I, I've got Colorado as probably the biggest droppers. I've got them down in sixth, but still making it. Who then, Zach, have you got to win the West? I, I honestly think it's going to be the flounders. I, I, I knew that was the words that were coming out of your mouth. The pain, yeah. the anguish was etched all over your face. But I, I disagree with some of you. So I, I can't remember who said it, but I actually think both LA teams are going to be battling for, for, for near the top. Oh, yeah. I'd, oh, I had, really? I'd written the Galaxy off, but you think the no. Galaxy all do well? No, if you look at the Galaxy's additions, there are some massive additions that they've made this offseason and like uh, I know what Steve said they have the ability I think to also course correct in the middle of the season sorry maybe not massive additions but quality additions that I think they'll use well Leardam I think will be good for them Edwards is going to be good for them um, they brought back Vasquez which is I think potentially huge uh, Vanny has brought in Marky Delgado who he used extremely well in Toronto and then a player who I think if he applies himself and if he really wants to could tear apart MLS is Douglas Costa mm, from Gremio on loan. Well, yeah, he played for Bayern, played for Juve, played for teams in in uh, in Europe. Um, if his if he still has the legs, he can blow by all all MLS defenders and and could do really well. It's gonna be interesting to see whether or not they play him out wide like he usually plays, or if now they move him more centrally. Um, but uh, I, I just I, don't I, feel that they've shored their defense up the way that they need to. Yeah, I, I do have questions about the middle of defense. I know uh, they also lost some, you know, middle defenders like Steris, uh, O'Neill Fisher. He's not in the middle, but yeah, they lost a, a few guys in the middle. But yeah, the defense will be an issue. But I think they're going to be, I think, better going forward than they were last year, and might be a bit like sort of uh, a side that wins maybe three-two, four-three kind of games, um, and 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 moves up the table. And it's I, again, nice I'm, to watch, I, anyway. I, I also agree, I think. They will are going to bring in other people, I think, as well. Yeah, like Zach, I have a hard time uttering the words, but I think the Flounders uh, are going to be right there. Um, I mean, it's kind of a little bit. It's hard to see the domination of Seattle, Portland, Kansas City, sort of not being in the top sort of three to four teams. Uh, like you, I I I thought Colorado is still probably going to hold on, especially with Mark Anthony Kane in the midfield um, being a little biased there, but they'll probably be in the sixth or seventh spot. I don't see them dropping out, but yeah, I'd say it's Seattle, Portland, Kansas City. I've got Seattle winning a, another Western Conference title and then hopefully messing up in the playoffs. I've, I've got Seattle and Portland as one and two with LAFC as third, but I <laughs> could very easily switch LAFC with Portland I just mm-hmm. feel that Portland, they're good at getting the job done and they've added some key players. And I just think that could be good. I've got Nashville as fourth, Kansas City in fifth, because I think the loss of Polito could be big for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Colorado sixth and Minnesota seventh. Uh, yeah, so let, let us know your thoughts as well. So that's our just very quick 
not so much a preview, but just our predictions for the Western Conference. Now, we did this last year. We're going to do it again. And we're going to start off with the wild man himself, Steve Pander. What are your bold predictions for this year, Steve? Uh, bold predictions is I think Portland uh, uh, does worse than even I think they're I don't think they're going to do well at all and I think they there might be a coaching change in the middle of the season for that. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I just remember that Steve's bold prediction last year was into Miami winning the MLS no, Cup. That was just a regular prediction. Actually. Oh, my bold <laughs> prediction was Frank Lampard would take over at New York City FC because. Ronnie Delia would get sacked. And of course, they went on and won the MLS Cup. So we know nothing about football here, obviously. Zach, give us a bold prediction. I don't know. I have a, a crazy good bold prediction. I, I think, what's his name? Bruce Arena has gotten a few of his friends together to join his team uh, over in New England. They brought in Leggett, Gonzalez, and mm-hmm. Altidore. And I think they're um, going to maybe do as good as or better than last year. Again, maybe that's not a bold prediction, but... Well, do you have a bold prediction for us? Putting you oh, in the spot man. here. I'm going totally in left field. Uh, I think that LAFC is going to crash and burn. Ooh. They are going to sack their manager, and Mark Dos Santos is going to take over. Ooh. But I think that our our favorite keeper, having gotten what he wanted with the move and the money, is going to be a little bit too complacent and will lose the starting job. Maxine Crepo will lose the starting job. Is this a bold prediction or just wishful thinking? Or bitter prediction. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I like him, but I'm just throwing it out there. Marco Santos, manager by the end of the season, Crepo on the bench. Interesting. My Mm. my bold prediction, and I, I know I have gone really out of the box with this one. Vancouver Whitecaps will beat... A Canadian Premier League team in the Canadian <laughs> <Championship>. <laughs> Oh, for two. You're telling me there's a chance. Oh, my God. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to get Edmonton and we're going to beat them. Oh. Um, my bold. Uh, can I add one more bold prediction? I'm going to say Kai Kamara has a big impact in Montreal and gets 10 or more goals on the season. Yeah. You're not allowed to, <laughs> to say impact with Montreal you, anymore. You could say whatever you want. It's, also, what's the over/under on red cards for the re-signed Rudy Camacho? Oh yeah, Macho Camacho. Okay, who gets more red cards this year, Cava or Rudy Camacho? Oh, Camacho. Well, I think Cavalini gets not more play yellows. Him. I think Cavalini gets more yellows than Camacho. Uh, yeah, which turned into maybe. Reds. Maybe. I have I've one more last bold prediction, and this sure. is huge, and I think it is actually going to come true in the next few seconds. Michael McCall returns to Scotland as a Lord of Scotland. Open your email. In recognition of your the 500th episode, myself and Zach bought you a five square foot plot of land, which makes you a Lord of Scotland. And uh, and I know you. Uh, we haven't been able to get the actual physical certificate yet, but I emailed you uh, the actual digital version of it, and so it's official. You are a Lord of Scotland. Um, you can go visit that plot. I, I think you can. I don't know if you can or not. I don't know if it's private or private. Line. <laughs> <laughs> but you should be able to tweet us a picture when you go there. And uh, uh, congratulations on becoming a lord. Yeah, it's a plot on Arbali Estate in Aberdeenshire. 
Oh, thank you very much. So now we have to call you Lord Michael McCall. Yes, always. Right. Let's see what peasants I can kick out. <laughs> go straight to his head. Wonder what free stuff I can get. I'll, I'll just go over to Aberdeen and go, I'm a lord. Give me stuff. Take your certificate with you. I'm the king of the granite city. I've now upgraded from lord. It's possibly gone to my head. Let's quickly move on. That is it for our MLS chat. That is it for our Whitecaps chat. We're going to be turning our attention to the Canadian Premier League in the last part with a fantastic interview you will not want to miss and neither will you want to miss our new fun food section. We'll be back with all of that after this. Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better, all conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road, to sing my songs for the boys in black and gold, I heard the stories about 19. I was just a boy and you had have to wait Now there's broken dreams and what might have been At that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio. And kicking off this part, something a little bit different. Obviously, with it being our 500th episode, we've been a little bit self-indulgent. So why not take that to a new extreme? Because kicking off this part was the new theme for AFTN's East Fife podcast, Glory Days of Gold. Written by two East Fife fans, long-time friends of mine, Ewan Masson and Doug Perry. Doug is one of our co-hosts on Glory Days of Gold. We had a kind of pretty bland, generic theme for our, our first 72 episodes. I tasked Ewan and Doug, who are in a band, to come up with a new theme song for us. That's what they came up with, Glory Days of Gold. I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Hope you did too. So I just thought I'd give it a little airplay to a wider audience. And don't forget, if you are interested in East Fife or Scottish football, check out our podcast, Glory Days of Gold. You can find that on aftn.co.uk or glorydaysofgold.podbean.com. So thanks to, to Ewan and Doug for coming up to that. Just to kick off this final part of this episode, I also wanted to pay some thanks along the way to to people that have played a big part of the the AFTN in soccer show over the the past nine years now and and 500 episodes. And obviously Steve and Zach for for doing the show with me for so long. But we also want to thank Sarah Jickling, who wrote our theme song. Sarah was in the band at Well. She's now a, a solo artist in her own right. Came up with a theme song for us. Now, Sarah has no interest in football at all. So tasking her to to write a football song was a bit of a challenge, but her and her partner did write that great Away From The Numbers theme tune for us. But it has been our theme song from episode two. We love it. Think it still sounds fresh. 
Thanks, Sarah, so much for doing that. Um, if you want to give Sarah a follow or check out her other stuff, you can find her on Twitter at Sarah's Good Bad Luck. That's S-A-R-A-H for Sarah. You can also find her stuff on Bandcamp, sarahsbadluck.bandcamp.com or check her website out. She's got all her stuff on there, merchandise, videos and a lot more as well. sarahsgoodbadluck.com We also want to thank all of our guests and interviewees from over the years. CITR for, for letting us take the show to an audience on the radio. All you listeners as well that's been with us, whether you've been with us from the start, joined along the way, or whether you're kind of new to the show, we love you all. Thank you for all the interactions that you have with us on Twitter, on social media, and emails and stuff that you send us. We really, really appreciate the feedback and the chats that we've had. All our extra podcast subscribers as well. We've moved into year six of that now. Episode 60 just came out this week. If you're not a subscriber yet, please consider being one. Check that out on AFTN.ca. It just it's our fundraising thing for the site. It helps meet our hosting costs and get equipment and various things for that. $30 a year, $3 a month gets you a, a subscription and you get usually works out about one extra podcast a month. So a lot of thanks to go around, but I just want everyone to know that we really appreciate you being with us for for these past 500 episodes. Here's to another 500 to come. And of course, one of the things that we've always liked to do on the show is kind of mix the serious stuff and all the the player interviews that we do and our, our game analysis and everything like that with all our weird and wacky fun segments. We've played so many of them in this show as well, just to play a little nod to them all, whether it's what's your favourite jam, anyone fancy a, a chocolate digestive, take me out, our fish and chips segment, which I haven't included in this show, TVOD, all the other ones that we've done along the way. But we thought, this is a special episode of this show. So what better way to market than to launch a brand new fun section And as so many of them are, it's food-related. Big surprise there. As with so many of our segments on the show, it's been inspired by a piece of music, a song that I love, a song that evokes memories, and it's a weird and wacky song, and I think, you know what? I can turn that into a segment. And that's exactly what we've done. So to kick off our brand new segment, what better man to do it? Vanny Sartini's toast. That's toast. Just toast. So, Vanny, do you like toast? Uh, yes, I like toast. Yes, of course. Excellent. That is that helps with what the section's going to be. Okay. So, if you're at home and you're you're having toast. Yeah. What is your kind of bread of choice? Do, are you a kind of fancy focaccia guy? Are you whole wheat sourdough? I like the uh, wheat bread. Uh, uh, I, I have to be honest. Uh, I, I found uh, hard here in North America to find uh, a bread that I really like because I think that... Uh, in Italy, we cook, in, in Europe, we cook the bread uh, uh, in a way that it, it is much more crunchier than here. And uh, so I would say wheat bread, I, a bread that I like a lot lately is a 
three corn rye bread. Ooh. I, I've never been a huge fan of rye. I've had a little bit recently and I haven't minded it. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Have you ever been to Bosa Foods here? I've been to I've been to Bosa Foods that we have they have they have Italian they have Italian food. Uh, there's another there's a couple of uh, uh, good places also. There's uh, uh, another little shop called Rensullo that they have a lot of Italian products. There's another like more, a little more fancier. It's called La Bottega di Mangia in Yeltown. But if you look for Italian product, you can you can find it in Vancouver. It's actually a thing that. Uh, uh, we're very lucky in this city because uh, any kind of uh, cuisine you you like of, from any nation, I think you can find a lot of good qualities uh, here in, in the city. Yeah, you can even get your Scottish stuff. Have you ever tried haggis? <laughs> so fantastic, yeah. I, the problem for me is that I'm vegetarian, so haggis oh. is a little bit out, out of uh, the thing. But I, I usually do one, two... Uh, cheating day a year so maybe this year i'll, I'll cheat for haggis do vegetarian haggis i've been vegetarian for uh, uh a vegetarian haggis you mean i'll do vegetarian haggis so i'll i'll do it yeah I, okay i will i will get you some vegetarian haggis fantastic fantastic there we go uh just going back to the toast thing which yeah. if nathan's listening to this he's going to be like why the hell are they talking about this but um if you're having, what would you have in your toast? Like, do you like it in break? Is it breakfast toast? Do you just have it as a snack? What would you have in it? I can have it at uh, breakfast. Two, two, I would say three, three main, uh, three main variation. The normal one, either with just cream cheese or maybe very simple, just toast, olive oil, a little bit of uh, salt, and that's it. Uh, sometimes if I, uh, because I've, uh, I'm not a big fan of very, very big breakfast. Sometimes I can have an egg and cheese. Ah, a little piece of toast. Cause there's so much to choose from. There's brown bread, white bread, all sorts of wholemeal bread. It comes in funny packages with writing on the side, but it doesn't matter which one you have. It's when you cut the crust off, have it with marmalade or butter, cheese, tomatoes, beans, banana, or chocolate. If it's strange, it doesn't really matter. Oh no, it all goes with toast. Just a little bit of toast there. Vanny Sartini. It's our new segment. But back to the football chat now, and it's time to bring you our second feature interview on the show this week. And this is one that we've been looking to do for a while, but then we thought we're going to keep it for the 500th episode. And we're moving away from Whitecaps and MLS chat to the Canadian Premier League. Now, exciting news was released in November. A Canadian Premier League team is coming to Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. 6-5 Sports and Entertainment, the company that owns Pacific FC, awarded the rights to a Vancouver and Lower Mainland team in the CPL. Spearheading that is Pacific FC CEO Rob Friend. So we got a chance to sit down with Rob this weekend just to chat about his time in the CPL so far, Pacific FC's historic championship win last year and his plans to bring this new team to Vancouver, the lower mainland, wherever it might be. 
There's some fantastic stuff in this interview, some new exciting stuff coming out in this interview as well. So go stick the kettle on again, grab another chocolate digestive, you know you're worth it. Sit back and enjoy our chat with Rob Friend. So delighted now to be joined on the show by Rob Friend, CEO of Pacific FC and managing partner of 65 Sports Entertainment. Thank you for, for coming on the show today, Rob. How are you doing? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. Still celebrating Pacific's win? Uh, I, I, I wish I could say we were, but uh, uh, it's been quite the off-season and and uh, we're, we're able to enjoy the uh, the win, I think, for a week or two. And then after that, it was back to work like like any club in the off season has been uh, it's been a busy one. But um, no, I can certainly say that that win was was a surreal one uh, winning with Pacific Football Club um, three years into starting this club. It uh, it was surreal. And, and we had to pinch ourselves that that week when we won. We were uh, I was waking up every day just. Just couldn't believe that we did it after three years, and uh, and the uh, the bruises and the uh, the scratches and the uh, the sleepless night nights we had, and and to win was uh, was something special. I mean, we're we're three years down in the the Canadian Premier League now, going into year four. How are you looking back at these first three years for the league? Do you feel that it's grown to the right stage? Do you feel COVID's possibly knocked back some of that growth? Or how do you see the state of the, the league being just now? Yeah, I mean, look, any startup league has its has its challenges. Uh, I think certainly say we came up with a bang. Uh, I think we did a fantastic job really establishing our original clubs uh, with with the addition of Atletico Ottawa was it was a great one. And I think Atletico Madrid coming into the CPL uh, lost a bit of its impact because literally weeks later, COVID hit. And, and obviously, you know, we all know what happened there. And I think that that changed everyone's um, enthusiasm on, on where this league is going because it was a, obviously a much bigger, um, bigger thing happening in the world. Um, but that was a big deal. You know, after year one, adding a, a monster organization like Atletico Madrid to our league, investing in Canadian football, um, you know, that, that season, obviously, with the bubble and PI, we did the best we could. I think we could, you know, I think we can uh, be proud that we, we had a season for our players. But, you know, albeit it wasn't, you know, wasn't ideal in, in, in this bubble situation, but we did it. We stayed relevant. We gave our players opportunities to play. Uh, last year, I think was, you know, coming out of COVID somewhat, uh, I guess still in COVID was, was, you know, I think I'm proud of what this league did last year. And, uh, and then obviously you see what, 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 uh, Forge has done in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, I think there was a lot of sort of hype around the league towards the end of the season with, with stadiums, you know, being able to host fans again. So obviously it wasn't uh, one direction, um, you know, the past three years, we've had a lot of uh, headwind, I'd say. Um, but, you know, that makes you more resilient. resilient. And, and I think as, as organizations and as a league, we've had to, um, we've had to really look at, at uh, the business. We've had to, I guess, become more efficient 
And I think that's going to make this league more, more successful after going through this and, and in, in these startup years. So, you know, I, I, I honestly, in, in, in the long term, I think it's going to be better off. We, we become more resilient as, as teams, as organizations, as a league. Uh, we've adapted and hopefully coming, coming out of this now, uh, we're going to be much stronger for it. So I'm, I'm excited for the future. You know, Rob, the achievement of winning the, the Canadian Premier League in, in their third year is significant. But like with most things in life, there are many layers to it. Uh, you know, there's the business side, there's the, the growing the game, there's the giving back. One of the things that um, I know I've heard you talk about quite a bit throughout the, the whole three years is your commitment to really growing and developing young Canadian players. I was just wondering if you could maybe just uh, talk about the satisfaction that comes from not just winning, but kind of doing it the way you have, have done it with, you know, like um, I think over that time leading the league and playing young Canadians and um, well, like kind of what that's meant to you. Yeah, no, I think you saw we, we, we came out year one with with this trust the kids sort of motto, which which we stuck to. And and that trust the kids process that we started year one, won us the league in year three. And I and I said that year one, I said, this team is going to win this this foundation that we're going to build right now with these young kids, young Canadian boys, a lot of them BC boys, which which I'm a proud, you know, BC resident. Um we won the year. We won the the league year one. So, um, you know, I'm proud of that, and I think that's that's shows Josh and I are our, our former players, Canadian national team players, played for our country, uh, played for the BC provincial team. I think you know you, you, that reflects in the club. Um, you know, with Josh and I, and, and what we've done, and what we want to do now in our post careers, and and we're committed to that. Um, that's that's why we're doing this. Obviously, it's a business. It's it's needs to be sustainable, uh, but but certainly our our you know number one objective is is to develop young Canadian players for this country opportunities we didn't have. So that's that's always at the front of mind when we're when we're building our squad, um, you know, and, and conversations with coaches, whether that be you know year one Michael Silberbauer, then with with Pamukka, and now with James Merriman. That is always the number one conversation and, and objective is young Canadians, number one. And just one other one other question, kind of about about the year three. It wasn't just successful in the the league or in winning the CPL, but it was also um, taking steps forward in the Voyagers Cup. How much did your run in the Voyagers Cup and and specifically, you know, overcoming your um, provincial rivals? Um, kind of spur you on and spur the players on uh, to achieve what they did? Yeah, no, I mean, I, honestly, I, I would say the biggest turning point in this organization, and I, th- I think that reflects in the league as well, was beating the Whitecaps. That game at home, sort of that euphoria at, at Starlight Stadium, Vancouver Island, sort of, honestly, from one day to the next, that that literally changed this club, that game. And I think there were a lot of sort of uh, sideline fans, observers on Vancouver Island, even in the lower mainland, kind of hearing about us, not really sure what we are, not really sure what the level is. Clearly, obviously, you know, Whitecaps 10 plus years in the market, in the MLS. MLS is growing every year, becoming stronger and stronger. And and in year three, taking them. And, and, and I say it wasn't just, it wasn't just, you know, a lucky cup win. This was an absolute 
battering. And I'm going to say that if, if you were, anyone was at that game, we took it to them and I'm proud of that. And, and, you know, majority of those players played in the youth Whitecaps organization. And that just shows you that there's not one clear path in football, you know? So, so some of these boys had to leave that organization come to us, get different opportunities, different looks. And that's, that's what I'm proud of is, is those boys, you know, you know, not exactly a straight linear, you know, career trajectory coming, you know, leaving, coming to, to the CPL, taking the risk in a new league and, and winning that game was, was massive. And then uh, obviously going to Toronto FC and, and they, they, they put out their best squad. They had to win that game. And that just shows you we're, we're a year three club going to Toronto FC and, and, and they put out their best squad because, because they knew that, that this wasn't going to be an easy match. So certainly I think that, <clears throat> that, you know, turned a lot of heads in the football community on the island in BC and I think in Canada. And you're seeing that now. We've, we've, uh, we sold Lucas McNaughton to Toronto FC. We've got one of our other players that are about to sign in the MLS. Uh, we've, we've had a lot of interest in our players. And I think this year, getting those results against the MLS teams have, have really, you know, I guess, uh, changed the direction of this club. And I think as a league and, and gotten a lot more respect. So it's, um, you know, hopefully we can continue to build on that. I mean, being at that game, the, the Whitecaps game, that was one of the best football atmospheres I've been at in Canada. It, the place was electric, the place was buzzing, the, the stand was shaking with just folk banging their feet in it. And to see that growth, the, I mean, obviously, when you invest in a football club, you're expecting that growth, you're expecting the public to buy in. Did you think you would get that kind of buy-in in Victoria, in Langford? We knew it was going to be a long-term project. Uh, you know, obviously starting, people didn't know what the league was. You know, even last year, I'd, I'd get the question, is this professional? Are these guys paid full-time? And, and absolutely. And and again, that result changed changed everything, changed changed the environment here on Vancouver Island, especially. Um, to, and to your point, that our stadium, you know, 6,000 seats. And that just shows you the ecosystem in football. And we've never had it in Canada. You have it in Europe. You have it in England. You know, you have the FA Cup, some of these smaller teams. And, and that's that's part of the, the ecosystem of football is these smaller clubs, these smaller venues creating that sort of atmosphere, that intimate atmosphere. You don't need a huge stadium, uh, you know, to be to sort of check the box of a pro football club. And and I think we've shown that. And, uh, you know, I think it's 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 a great size stadium for this market. We, we are expanding it. Uh, I believe another 3,000 seats we're adding next season. Um, you know, but, but that's, you know, I'm proud of that little stadium. And, and I think that that's a model in the CPL is, you know, these eight to 10,000 seat stadiums, you don't need much bigger right now in, in, in this country. And I think we can create our own little ecosystem and, and little niche in Canada with these smaller venues in the CPL, filling them out, playing the Canadian championship, punching above our weight, moving players on. I mean, that, that's what it's about. So no, again, that, that Whitecaps game, is was was honestly the, the game changer in this club and ever since then uh the interest level from a business perspective tickets sponsorship suites we have a waiting list has been through the roof so that that, that was huge and and obviously we, we got to continue to build off that yeah i mean mentioning the stadium is interesting as well because in scotland there's so many big stadiums that hardly anyone is filling because they had to have this minimum capacity to be in the top flight and then they don't fill it. So, I mean, I think that's all great. It's obviously been a, a bit of a, 
an off-season of turmoil in some regards and just that you lost Pa down to, to Texas. I think when you've got success as a manager and the, the kind of manager that, that Pa is, he's always going to get interest for, from other sides. You've got James Merriman, though, and as you mentioned, as head coach, very smooth transition, something I think was always the plan and that, that you were working towards. I've known James from his time over here with, with the Whitecaps. Some of your core guys signed up, Marco Bustos recommitting, but then you've had some new additions, but then you've lost some key pieces as well, like like Lucas, other guys moving on, Tern Campbell. Where are you seeing Pacific at right now in their their quest to defend their title? Yeah, no, I, obviously this, this trust the kids, what we talked about earlier on was, you know, that, that we can't just continue that. There's going to be a turnover. There's going to be a moment in, in this phase where, where there's, there's turnover. And I think you're seeing that this year. And, and, and that's what I want. And I keep telling people, whether it be coaches, we knew Paul wasn't going to stay long-term. We knew we had him maybe two, three at max. He, he had, you know, he had huge ambitions and Paul's an international type, type guy. He, he wants to, to, to develop his own game you know, look at different experiences. So we knew that. That was always a conversation with Paz. We were ready for that. James was always ready to become the head coach. We were sort of, we were sort of helped molding him the last three years. He's had two different coaches. He's from the island. That's an easy transition. We we were ready for that. Um, with the players, again, that's that's part that's part of football. And and when we've had players here for three years, like Taryn, like Ali, some of these boys, like Lucas, it's time to move them on. And and whether that be you know, we as a club have to decide, look, we're not going to renew a contract. Uh, you've been here three years. You need to leave. And, and I've always said that. I don't want players here more than three years. If you're not moving on after three years, we maybe we haven't together done our job. And and that's that's how I look at things. And and um, so that's that's part of it. Obviously, keeping a foundation is important in, in any organization. Um, you know, we do have our foundation. We still have our core, uh, you know, looking at, you know, short-term to long-term strategy. We always have to continue to fill the squad with younger players so that we can keep continue to fill 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 the squad and, and these young players can come in and, and start having an impact. And that's sort of what it's about. And that's sort of that sustainable, you know, economic model that, that we're trying to build here at Pacific. So it's just not every year we're not sure who we're losing and then we have to panic and react and replace them. It's we every year it's filling these young boys and then if you leave and then just, just add in the young player. So that's, uh, you know, that, that's always been the model. And, um, you know, from the outside, it may look like there's turmoil or there's, there's so much movement having a Pacific. And that's, that's just not only, you know, a result of, of the success we've had and, and clubs looking at our players, but it's also from our side as a club, that's what we want. Uh, but obviously important as we build every single year, we're adding in the young pieces that can, can be in our environment and that are ready to step up when, uh, when the players leave. So we have a couple more signings, a couple more young boys that, that we've signed that we're, that we're excited about. Honestly, the challenge is continue with young, young Canadian players. And, and as we talked about, you know, there's only, the reality is there's only so many right now. And as the league grows, uh, we have to do a better job working with local clubs, uh, you know, within, within our provinces and, and this country is how do we, you know, how do we continue with the Canadian talent? Because there's the, the reality is there's, there's only so much if we want to have success on and off the field. So, um, you know, that's where I'm probably seeing the biggest challenge right now in the, in the, in the short to long term. So that's our Pacific chat over 
in, in November, Six Five Sports and Entertainment were uh, awarded the Vancouver rights for a, a Canadian Premier League team, identified as looking to launch in 2023. We'll get into a little bit of that, but is that the timescale that you're still looking at just now? Is that still the hope that next year we're going to have a, somewhere in the lower mainland uh, a new Canadian Premier League team? Yeah, no, absolutely, and and we came out, you know, we came out with that. Uh, honestly, this has been three years in the making. You know, uh, most guys like yourself, uh, you know, understand that we've been working on this project for a while. Um, you know, trying to find the right location, the right venue, obviously was was priority number one. We knew that the Lower Mainland market uh, can have a CPL. Um, you know, can compete in in the football marketplace. Um, obviously, you know, assuring it's the right location. So, you know, this, this has been many years in the works and, and, uh, our, our group had always been looking at it. There was other groups, uh, uh investor groups looking at the lower mainland. Um, so sort of, sort of six, five, our, our group sort of had a, always a, let's call it a first right option on the lower mainland. If we wanted to take it, uh, we knew the interest coming into Vancouver. Um, and so the timing was sort of right. And we looked at it, we were very bullish on the league and where it's going. And, um, obviously myself from Vancouver, uh, very passionate about what we can do in the lower mainland market, um, for, for various reasons. Um, we decided to, to take that option and, um, you know, purchase, uh, our second team. And, um, uh, in terms of 2023, our goal is 2023. We, we'd like to, uh, announce the stadium venue in the next six weeks. We're, we're a couple signatures away, I'd say, with with the municipality to place the stadium um, in in the uh, in the market that, that we've been looking at, um, which we're very excited about because I, I we really believe the market, the region that that we are placing this club is ready and can support a CPL club. And when I say support, you know, our goal is is four to eight thousand a game, and there's no reason we can't do that running a you know running a proper football club in the Lower Mainland. And uh, so, yeah, the goal is 2023, uh, you know, but like I said, one or two more signatures and uh, we'll be able to announce the stadium. And once the stadium's announced and, and the venue's there and and uh, then we can really start building out what this club looks like and, uh, you know, really diving into the community, uh, you know, start start building those roots in, in, in that community and working with all the different different community groups and, and, and fan groups and uh, supporters. So we're. Uh, we're ready, and we're just uh, once that signature's there, it's uh, we're going, and uh, we're not stopping. That's fantastic. I I think it's going to make one of us happier than the other because one of us wants it on one side of the river, one of us wants it on the other side of the river. Um, I think I know who might be happier here. Before we get into any more, let let's address the elephant in the room. I I guess dual ownership. You'd be owning two clubs in the league. I know and. Canadian sports that's not been unusual in the CFL there have been concerns raised about sporting integrity or, or stuff like that how would how would you address any concerns about that is the plan long term some divergence amongst the three of you yeah there, there is there is and when you know it, without going into too much detail uh, there is there is a long term plan where where the two clubs will be separate separately owned um but unfortunately, the reality we're in, in, in the startup we're in in this league, and it was, it was very similar to how the MLS started. You know, sometimes it takes, 
you know, the same owner to, to continue to invest in this league. And, and obviously we've proven ourselves in Pacific. Uh, we are from, you know, two of us, two of the three partners are from the lower mainland. Uh, that is our market, I'd say. Um, so, so again, it's, it's, it's been done. It was done in the MLS in the startup phases until it got to a place where, you know, there was a, let's call it a lineup of investors looking to dive in. Um, so that there's a long-term plan where we have to diverge our, our, ourselves from the clubs, um, you know, create a, create a line of separation. But I can certainly say from a sporting perspective, um, you know, and, and also it's also the way the league is owned too. I mean, uh, the reality is everybody knows who follows the CPL. We're all, we all own the league together. Um, obviously on the field, we're competitors. Absolutely. You know, we compete for players. We can compete for, for uh, championships. This is going to be no different in this club. I can certainly tell you from one coach to another and from the players, when the whistle's blown, it doesn't matter if it's dual ownership. I don't even know who I'm going to support, my, who my kids are going to support. It's, and, that, and that's it. And, and I think we don't need to overcomplicate this. I think it's pretty simple from a sporting pr- perspective because that's what sports is. And, uh, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's our job is to set the clubs up to, to sort of create, create the organic growth that we've done here in Pacific that we're going to do in, in Vancouver and let the teams and let the fans compete. And I, I don't think we need to overcomplicate it. Obviously we have to pay the bills and we have to, you know, we have to start it up. And I think it's as simple as that. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the rivalries. I, I can certainly say, I know, I know our staff here in Pacific already hate the club in Vancouver. So there's already a little bit of a banter happening in, in, in the front office here at Pacific. So I think it's great. And it's going to, it's going to be natural. It's absolutely going to be natural. And, uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, and then from a business, it's, it's about setting it up and then handing it really over to the community and the fans. And, and that's what it's about. And that's what football's about. We don't need to overthink this, but certainly again, without going into too much detail, there, there will be, there is a plan in place. Uh, but for now, technically I'll be, remove myself day to day from Pacific and, uh, and diving all in, in Vancouver once that signature's uh, signed and with the municipality. And, uh, and then after that, it's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's, it's an organic growth. Fantastic. I mean, local rivalries is what the game needs here and it's what's going to thrive and it's how it's thrived in places like, like the UK as well. So launching next year, this year, you've got the White Caps in the Lower Mainland. You've got the White Caps next pro team about to launch. You've got the League One BC launching with seven teams, and I believe they're looking to add more teams next year as well. Have you got concerns about engaging the public with so much football to to go and watch? It's like feast or famine. It's like all once in a while with White Caps, the only thing in town. And now there's just so many different things for, for people to go and watch. Did, are you worried about getting eyeballs on the team, getting press coverage, anything like that? Yeah, look, I think there's there's no doubt there's going to be challenges. And, and, and whether it be football challenges, the Lower Mainland has it has its has its challenges, whether it's you know the ski mountains on the weekend, the lakes, the oceans, that that's your competition as well. So you've got other sports vancouver island is pretty simple there was no professional club here we were the only one in town we, we, we planted our flag you know and then we built from there um so certainly i can say we it, it's going to be more challenging we know that uh, how do we differentiate ourselves is sort of the daily question in vancouver is why is a fan going to support this club versus the other clubs i i can certainly say from a the general sports fan it might be a little bit confusing 
you know, from the white caps. And after that, you got league one, you got the, the MLS next, which is, you know, let's, let's call it what it is. It's, it's, it's the reserve team of the white caps, their second team. Um, you know, that's more of a youth model. And then, and then how, how do we place in the market? Like we said, it's, it's pretty clear. We're, we're going to be in the, in the Valley market, the, the Surrey Langley sort of Abbotsford region. Um, do they have a pro team? No, they do have the hockey team. So I think it's focusing on that market, focusing on those communities uh, there is going to be important. Do, do we, do we spend any marketing money or, or energy, you know, North of the river? Probably not. Um, so there's certainly things in place that we have to do and, uh, you know, and then, and then it's how do we differentiate ourselves and, and a little bit of a disruption too. I, I want to disrupt the market and the football market. And that's about venues as well. That's why the venue is key. Having our own venue that, that we, the fans, the club can identify with. We talked about these small intimate stadiums. To me, that is one of the big differentiators because certainly when people come to Pacific, Starlight Stadium, we talked about the Whitecaps game. We had over 500 Vancouver supporters come and the amount of amount of feedback we got saying, if we had that in Vancouver, that small intimate stadium, I'd come every weekend. That's what pure football is. So that's that's sort of how we're looking at it. Um, yeah, but it, we're not, we're not uh, naive in the fact that it's going to be a big challenge and a big task. And the reality is we kick off in almost 14 months. And, and we haven't even we haven't even announced our stadium, so we have a lot of work to do. But but again, we, there's a lot of pieces in place that we're ready to go. Just we haven't been able to yet until we until we plant that flag in the location, put the renderings out, what the stadium is going to look like, and I think people are going to be very excited about about this football. And again, I think they'll be able to identify pretty quickly once the stadium's in place, once the location's there, once the brand's announced, and and then it's up to us to really do or do the job in the community. But um, yeah, we're, we're not naive to the fact that it's going to be, there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there, there's a lot, a lot of clubs and a, and a lot of uh, let's call it maybe confusion in the marketplace that we're going to have to work on. And, and that's, that's up to us to, to do the right job. I mean, it sounds very exciting. It sounds the kind of football I love. It can, the kind of venue that I love. Just last thing, I appreciate your time today and everything you've said, Rob, but what, what timescales are we looking at then? Once you've signed this paperwork in six weeks or so, I take it, like from what you've said, it's going to be like bang, 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 name, colours, staff, everything like that. It's going to be pretty quick for you. Very quick, very quick. And uh, I mean, we, we would have liked to have announced our stadium now. Um, but of course, in, in the political environment, uh, you know, it's, it's essentially we're in the hands of the municipality and the city council to to sign sign the paperwork. Um, it's all essentially been agreed upon. The the stadium designs there, the renderings are there. Um, location obviously is is um, is essentially approved from both parties. Um, yeah. So once once that the, the sort of the, the the high level timeline is announced, the stadium in the next six weeks, hopefully. Once the stadium stadium's announced, another six to eight weeks, it's a brand launch. But obviously, we got to do the work in the community, talk to the the really the community groups from fan supporters grassroots, what they want to see this football club look like, feel like the colors, the logo, um, how it's going to be uh, portrayed in the, in the uh, marketplace. Um, and then, and then after that, once the brand's out, it's, uh, it's go time and, and head coach really, we're looking in the summer um, and building the, the football squad from there. I, I can certainly tell you, we do have a, we've hired our first staff member to really start building the club. Um, so he'll be out in the community. Um, we do have a framework of, of the business ops, uh, the hires, the timelines, 
Um, and then the, obviously for the football fans, the exciting part is the, the, the coaching uh, hire and then the players. Um, but like I said, we're already looking at players, looking at Canadian players. We, the reality is we need 16 young Canadians. We need to sign uh, in the next 14 months. Um, we've identified a handful of them already to sign for next season. So there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes that we're already building out the, the entire framework of the, of the organization. But once we're in the public, uh, there's no turning back. And, and, uh, and then hopefully the fans get behind, get behind us. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Rob. Really excited about this. We'll obviously speak to you hopefully in a few weeks' time with a bit more information and stuff once we, we get everything. But really looking forward to this. Wish you all the well. I know it's going to be a very hectic 14 months for you, but all the very best. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. And, and anytime, anytime we want to talk, especially once uh, once we're out, I'm excited to launch the stadium and the venue and, and get everyone excited because it's, it's going to be special. So appreciate it. That's great. Thanks so much. Great stuff from Rob Friend there. Great insight. It's very exciting stuff from Rob there. 2023 is still on. A lot of work ahead. Looks like it's going to be in the Fraser Valley. My dream of them playing up at Empire Field so that I can walk to the games doesn't seem to be happening. Don't lose hope for the other side of the, your side of the river, Michael, because, again, I think long-term CPL will be in the lower mainland on both sides of the river. Well, I am a lord now, so that must come with some money. So yeah. I must be able to buy some plots and land here. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of encouraging things that I think you said. You know, the six, they hope to have, you know, in six to eight weeks, have the, the paperwork signed for the municipality they're working with uh, to finalize this, where the stadium is going to be and all that kind of stuff. And so the, that announcement should be coming out in the, these next uh, two months. And that'll, you know, I think begin to, you'll see the ball roll a lot more quickly. They've hired a, uh, already one staff member. Um, that he kind of referenced there. Um, the one thing that was interesting for me, which we only, I, we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the interview is I think as I observe, as observe things and whatever, I, I think that, I think that some of this stuff, I think might've been a little bit further along um, if they hadn't been dealing with so many issues, not issues, but so many, or a number of things that maybe they weren't planning on dealing with at Pacific, right? Like I think, even though I know he said he said in the interview, yeah, Paul, we knew he was only going to be here two, three years tops, and he you know, has lots of ambition and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think this was the ideal year for in their plans for him to move. Now they've always had James Merriman. James Merriman has always been a part of the staff, local person. That, that was always the succession plan. Yeah, exactly. But I I don't think this was the ideal plan for this for this moment. I really think like if you had asked them in October, November, I think. It would have been like, yeah, Pa's going to be here and Pa's going to help us defend the title and move into the next chapter and all that kind of thing. Same thing with some of those players that moved on. I think there was... Um... Yeah, I wanted to ask him about that because we had half an hour before he had to to get the ferry and we just ran out of time. Yeah, so I think I think some departures are were concerning for them. And you've seen them make some significant moves, you know, uh, like, you know, Amir Didich, I think is going to help their backline, which I think will help them in the table and, you know, acquiring points overall. But I think there was a, a lot going on. There's a lot going on with specific that I think, you know, when you're an organization 
uh, running one football club and trying to start a second, uh, you, you know, it's a uh, spinning plates, you know, and you got, you got to keep them all going and moving. And so it'll be nice to see this, um, It'll nice to see, you know, how this all, how this next chapter, next part all unfolds, but definitely exciting times. We touched on it in the chat there, the fact that they're going to be owning two teams, but the plan, long-term plan is divergence and they'll announce what all that's going to be. But Rob Friend is the exact kind of owner that the CPL needs and should be trying to, to attract more of an ex-player. Now, obviously... Not all ex-players are going to have enough money to set up a football club, but he's got the knowledge of the game here. He's got the knowledge of playing at international level. He's got the knowledge of playing over in Europe for so many years. And what he can bring to the running of a football club in Canada is exactly what we're needing. And for him to to get the chance to, to have this team in the lower mainland, it's going to be very exciting and it's a perfect fit. Yeah, great like rivalry that you'll have between the two teams in Pacific and things. Yeah. And I think I think the thing is it works because there is a budget right now, so it's not like one team could spend more than the other. In a way, like everybody is like has has the same restraints. The thing is as well, well, like Steve touched on it there, having a rivalry in BC in the CPL is so huge because that that's how you grow the game. You, you get local rivalries, you get fans that that can travel in numbers over to the game. I mean, you saw, like, Rob spoke about the Whitecaps game and how that was the catalyst for Pacific season and there was 500 Whitecaps fans over and it was an electric atmosphere and just the thought of that and having BC derbies, it's just so exciting. Yeah, I mean, that's also what has helped um, MLS uh, in the last few years is having the Cascadia uh, Derby, but also having rivalries like um, Toronto, Montreal, um, you know, in the playoffs and stuff like that a few years back when there was just a lot of competition between sort of those two sets of rivalries. And and those clubs have dominated the MLS Cup in the last, you know, few years, minus Columbus. Um, so I think it is a big catalyst. Um, I, you know, obviously very biased being born and bred in in bc i i want to see bc clubs um and i think having a rivalry is great that's often a problem for vancouver clubs because they can't really you know in hockey um it's hard to get a rivalry going with uh with a team that's not nearby you so seattle is useful to be there but you know we're not going to have that deep a rivalry with edmonton or the calgary flames uh because they're far away and they got each other to to uh be mad at so we've in hockey we've often had a problem because there's not another bc club there wasn't a a, a washington state club for a long time so i think it'll be very valuable And, and just to back up one more point back up you guys about rob um is he is uh very knowledgeable but Um, and Zach might be able to speak to this a little bit as well. He understands supporters. Um, He understands supporting culture, and that is um, something that I I think very valuable from his time in Germany and time in uh, other clubs is that he does get it, and that, in my experience, being fairly involved with supporters' activities and um, you know, talking to supporters around North America, that can often be a problem, um, is that the supporters are the things that they think about last. Um, so uh, to me, I think that's one of the most exciting things about A, him setting up 
uh, Pacific FC um, and the you know Lakeside Boys already having been established there, but also now you know what's going to grow on on this side um, you know uh, of the Georgia Strait of and uh, how what's going to happen uh, possibly I, I guess it sounds like the Fraser Valley and and beyond. Will's right. I mean, Rob has played for four significant large traditional clubs in in Germany and understands football culture, football supporter culture, I think extremely well. Um, I think they've done a number of good things in, uh, in Langford in, in Victoria on the Island. Um, And I think that their intent is to uh, do similar, uh, but possibly even more things, um, you know, when it comes to the uh, CPL site in the lower mainland. And so, yeah, if you want to be involved in that, follow uh, Fraser Valley, Fanatics on uh, on uh, Twitter, and they're, they're, I think there's going to be some updates soon uh, as uh, all this stuff begins to more unfold and play out. It's a lot of work, and like Rob is going to, him and his team, they're going to be working. I can't imagine how many hours over the, the coming 12 to 12 months, really. I guess it's probably going to be the time they announce all this. But we'll speak to Rob and a few more of the guys involved with the team as more things get involved. It's getting closer. One, one thing about that, Michael, right, is it's 14 months, I think you said in the conversation there. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, they did Pacific in, I mean, it was July. So what's that? Another front. They did it in nine months last time. So they've done it before. It's better than so one three or something, whatever it was. <laughs> no, but yeah, but that's different. That wasn't them. I know, right? I know. I These guess. guys, they did Pacific in in you know five months less time, or you know roughly. Um, and so yeah, I think I think their experience is really going to help them in 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 trying to launch this as best as possible. That is pretty much it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. But of course, we have to finish things off with this episode's wavelength. And I've gone pretty recent for this one. We're going back to last year, 2021. Uh, an artist from Solihull in the West Midlands in England is from an album that was released in January last year. They're called Armchair Loyal. It's a 16-track album called All You Need Is In Love, named after the Zimbabwean international who also played for Coventry, Birmingham, City and Sheffield United in England, uh, Peter in Love, amongst many other teams. So that there's 16 great football songs in that. We'll be bringing you those over the coming weeks and months. We're going to kick it off, though, with the first track on the album. This is a song called Play Football With Your Heads. Perhaps the nicest letter, I think, came from Mrs R.C. Horn, who remembers seeing Ted play on the Queen's Park Rangers ground many years ago, and she remembers it for the very good reason, uh, that during the kick-in before the game, Ted kicked the ball smack into her face. Kick the ball smack into her face. Before there were Kardashians, there was Vivan the Sun. And before there was Tom Hardy, there was Embry Varadi. Before Aini Kamalzi, 
there was John Chadolzi. And before Stacey Solomon, there was Romeo Zondervan. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. Before saying Malik, there was Frank Yallop. Before the Love Island Villa, there was only one Jimmy Rimmer. Before Stephen Mohern, there was Arnold Buren. Before Jeremy Vine, there was Brian Kilkline. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. Maybe ask you. Just a thought. I said heads. You play football with your heads. Chamberlain was a mouthful. There was Neville Southall before Anton Dubeck. There was Robert Fleck before DJ Callard. Vincent played for Palace and before Billy Eilish. Cascarino wasn't Irish. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. You've got to start to use your heads. You play football with your heads. Armchair Loyal there. Play football with your heads. You can find them on Bandcamp. Just search Armchair Loyal. Great song. Mentions a lot of footballers. Frank Yallop even gets a mention. Who would have thought that? But that is it now for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. Thank you for making it to the end. Thank you for being with us for 500 episodes. Just before we go, though, guys, let everyone know where they can find you online. Any final thoughts or anything that you've learned this week? And let's start off with Will. I I think I've just learned even more about how much I value you guys' uh, opinion and insights. Uh, we agreed on a lot of things, so you guys are pretty smart, if you ask me. Um, and other than that, you can find me, at, I think it's William A. Silver at uh, uh, on on uh, Twitter. Zachary. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well, as at Zachary AM. Uh, it's uh, been great to be a part of this. Uh, 
all these episodes uh, and looking forward to the, the next 500. Um, so yeah, thanks to you, Michael, for all the, the time and effort and energy you, you put it, you put into it to making it meaningful mm-hmm. and, uh, and run smoothly. Steve, thanks for all that you bring to the table with um, your ideas and your fun and your comments. Some of which you guys have to explain to me after the show. Um, and, and the samosas. Uh, Don't forget the samosas. Yes, those are those are spicy. Um, and uh, yeah, Will, thanks for being here. It's been good to have you for this one, but also other episodes because you're a good friend, and I appreciate your football insights as well. Um, oh, that's a big loving now. Yeah, yeah just, thanks for having me. <laughs> just thanks, thanks to the people again. I think we've said this a few times in the last year, um, but thanks to the people who listen. Um, it's meaningful to know that people listen and either enjoy it or. Um, wrestle with it or disagree with some perspectives or whatever it's it's yeah thank you for listening and uh we hope you keep listening mr p uh you can find me on twitter at whitecap speed and what i learned over these 500 episodes is um the uh terry dunfield's uh large uh, contribution (laughs) to some of the best moments in the aftn show and canada soccer so that's uh uh, about that overall uh i i like we talked about the love of football last week uh, doing this show with you guys uh <laughs> is probably part of that love of football and everything like that it, uh, to michael thanks for talking to me that one time at swan guard and uh when we didn't even know who we, we were to each other and we just talked football for about half an hour then we figured out who we were mm. <laughs> we, we talked I, I, obviously more. i won't do that anymore because my lord yeah <laughs> of course <laughs> and, and Zach, um, I, I think I was wandering around one time and you started talking to me that one time and we, we stuck up, struck up a friendship because uh, I definitely wouldn't approach anybody else. It's you guys approaching me that probably uh, brought me into this world and everything like that. So thanks to you guys. Great times, like I said, over these 500 episodes. Um, so overall, <laughs> fantastic time, guys. I am Lord Michael McCall from Aberdeenshire. Thank you for listening to the episodes of the AFTN Soccer Show. You can follow me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Get in touch with us on email, AFTNCanada at hotmail.com. Give us a like, subscribe, all that stuff on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTNCanada. Ring my bell, all that kind of nonsense. And yeah, check out our stuff, AFTN.ca. What I learned from this show, uh, I'm now wondering what Terry Dunfield would look like in the new Portland Away Strip. What have I learned over the the 500 episodes? Probably not a lot. I I think we'll just wrap it up here. Thank you for being with us. It's been a bit of a love fest at the end. Again, thank you for staying with us. We will be back soon. If things work out in the next episode, we've got another special interview. We... I drew up a short list of... Oh, yeah. eight, Eight people that I wanted to have on this episode which would have taken it to a five-hour show. And then I thought, I'll space them out over the, the coming weeks. So we've got most of them. Couldn't get John Herdman because Canada Soccer just wouldn't ask him if he wanted to do it. So sadly, we, we couldn't get him. But yeah, we, we've got one of the interviews that he couldn't make it work for this week. So I'm meant to be speaking to him Thursday or Friday next week. If it happens, it will be in the next episode. So until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the caps. And Mon, the Fraser Valley CPL. Bye, everybody. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget.
the atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm.